Hey, this is Kevin Kelly, and you are listening to the Stardom Cast. This is Jesse from Club Venus from Stardom, and you're watching Stardom Cast. Welcome to the Stardom Cast, your weekly audio source for all things World Wonder Ring Stardom. I'm your host, Rob Goodwin, and I'm joined as ever by an exhausted Matt Turner. Matt Turner, I believe you are running on about 12 minutes sleep. What a couple of days for wrestling. It's been about two and a half, three hours chopped up sleep. Uh, as we, We've literally been talking for about a half an hour, and I was like, Rob, I got stardom tickets to uh, to get at the ECW arena, which we'll get into that, I'm sure, in a moment. So let's get this thing rolling. So it isn't like, <laughs> oh, they sold out. How did how did the two voices of American stardom <laughs> on the stardom cast, how did they not be able to go to the show that's literally 90 minutes away from Matt's house? Well, you see, folks, because Matt and uh, <laughs> Rob were too busy podcasting about stardom that they forgot to go get their stardom tickets. So uh yeah, man, I'm good. I think uh, we just literally, we're recording this, and thanks to everybody that um, understands that we're recording. This is coming out a little bit later for our folks on the Patreon feed. Robbing the genius that he is, said, well, instead of recording on Wednesday like we usually do, let's record a little bit later on Thursday. This way we'll have the Triangle Derby uh, pay-per-view and the Stardom Gate pay-per-view to talk about. Mm-hmm. I said, well, that absolutely makes sense. So literally as we're recording this, it is January 4th, which if you're a wrestling fan is a national holiday. Uh, so the Stardom <laughs> show started. The Stardom show started at 11 p.m. on the third, and then the uh, New Japan uh, Wrestle Kingdom started around 2 a.m. So I think I slept maybe about an hour and a half, uh, give or take, and then I rolled one show right into the other, and I fell asleep maybe for about an hour during the New Japan show. Just sitting there watching on TV. Next thing I know, Brian Danielson was coming out, and I was like, "Well, I'm glad I didn't miss this match." Uh, and then I took a two-hour nap and. Here we are, folks. Here we are. So I'm doing good, my friend. How about you? Are you uh, running on uh, as little sleep as I am, my friend? Well, I would have been. Um, I watched some of Stardom Gate Live, then I went to sleep, um, and then I woke up in preparation for uh, Wrestle Kingdom, obviously. Um, But I woke up at quarter past six on my time, um, believing that to be the start time, and it wasn't. It was the start time for the Rambo. And my, I don't need to tell you that I have little to no time for Rambos. <laughs> so I went back to sleep for 45 minutes and uh, woke up at seven, managed to get everything sorted, watch Wrestle Kingdom and then uh, watch the rest of uh, Stardom Gate afterwards. So it's been a long day, a very enjoyable day, obviously. And then, of course, like I said, we had the Triangle Derby um, yesterday, that show from Yokohama Budokan. We've had announcements of Stardom Running America for the first time as as their own sort of show since 2019, um, and all sorts of news and stuff coming out of uh, of Stardom. So it's been a busy couple of days, but I can't wait to talk about it 
all with you. Um, uh, we'll talk, obviously, news. We'll talk about the Triangle Derby and how we think it sort of fared as a single-night tournament as opposed to a round-robin tournament. I imagine I already know the answer to that. We'll talk about what is already on the 4th of January, four days into the new year, might be Stardom's match of the year. You will be unsurprised in knowing which one. We'll talk about all the things coming out of, especially the show from the 3rd, where they set up a lot for the Supreme Fight show on the 2nd of February. And good gracious me, that looks like a very, very, very loaded pay-per-view if that's the way they're going. A faction breaking up, and oh my God, it's just been, it's all, all gone off in uh, in Stardom over the last couple of days. But before we kick into any of that, we're going to start with the Stardomcast Extra, the Patreon. Um, so Matt, before we sort of talk sort of updates in regards to that would you like to uh talk about what's coming up this week absolutely this past week re-released uh my uh review of utami haishista's win in the 2025 star grand prix that is on the patreon feed as well we released our alternate commentary of the finals of the well i guess last year's technically a happy new year everyone of last year's five star grand prix of Micah and Suzu Suzuki from the uh, finals of the 2023 five-star Grand Prix. And then next week coming up for alternate commentary, we will be doing Io Shirai's final and star- final match in stardom as the reunion of Thunder Rock, Amayu, and Io taking on the Oedotai team of Hazuki and Kagetsu. That is your alternate commentary. As well as our What If episode, we know that this was due in December, but just with uh, the holidays, we couldn't get it in. So sometime next week, we'll be releasing our What If episode, which is What If Damage Control took on Queen's Quest. Um, really, really, we're going to be recording that. As if we weren't busy enough, folks, we're going to be recording that literally right after we do this episode. And uh, also, as well, the uh, bi-weekly podcast for January are as follows. The review of All-Star Dream Cinderella. That'll be in your Patreon feeds in probably about the next week or so, give or take. And at the end of the month, I will be doing a review of Hazuki and Kagama, FWC, their two title reigns with the Goddess of Stardom Championship. So that's all what's coming up. That and so much more for the month of January. Now, we did make mention last week, and we did make mention on our social medias. We're going to be changing things up a little bit on the Patreon. So we may as well make that announcement now. And this is going to start in February. So now, Bob, if there's anything that I miss or anything that I get wrong, please, by all means, come in and uh, cut me off or take the hot tag. Uh, like I said, I am uh, I am definitely, you know, a little, little bit tired, a little bit worse for wear. So <laughs> if there's something that I miss or you need to add, let me know. So what's going to happen is, again, this is going to start next month, is we're going to be making things a little bit more affordable. Uh, for the Stardom Cast Extra. We know it's after the holiday season. We know that money is tight. And everybody that's ever spent even a penny on us at the Stardom Cast, whether it's the merchandise, whether it's you know paying for advertising, or whether it's you know stuff on the Patreon, we greatly appreciate it. So the $25 tier will be no more. We'll be doing away with that. What we're going to be doing is um, because of, and this is basically a thank you, because of we've seen a blistering amount of downloads I mean, it's absolutely insane. I think we're like over like a quarter million downloads now for this uh, for the Stardom Cast, which is just maddening. What we're doing is we're going to be giving more stuff on the uh, weekly feed. What I mean by that, the, uh, obviously, you will have the weekly show that'll come out at your normal time, probably Thursday uh, for Patreon members, and Friday on the uh, the weekly show. Uh, so obviously, that'll stay the same. We're going to our Q and A 
Uh, we're actually doing a Q&A next week as well. So our Q&A, that'll be going up on the free feed as well as our uh, reviews. Like I have done the review, you know, for example, Azumi High Speed Championship review. Stuff like that's been on the Patreon feed for the last two, two and a half years. Our biweekly reviews are now going to be on the free feed. Um, so then that'll start February. We don't know what we're going to do yet. Folks, we're just trying to get through January. Uh, I'm just trying to get through today. So those those will be on the free feed. Now, the, the $1 tier, the $1 tier, that is going to give you the podcast a day early and ad-free. It's also going to give you the audio version of the alternate commentary. The $3 tier is going to give you everything I just mentioned, and it's going to give you the, the video of the alternate commentary and our non-start uh, and match of the month as well. The $5 tier will give you everything that I just ma- mentioned, plus the what if, plus the roundtable discussion. Now, Rob's going to be, just because with Rob having a new job, it's been really tough trying to get, uh, trying to schedule everything. And I don't like doing these podcasts late. If we're going to come out with a podcast in a certain month, I like to come out that month. So these what if and roundtable discussions will either be done solo by myself, or there might be an Andy Hatter that's on, my tag partner, Andy Hatter. There might be an Alice in Danger, maybe a Scotty Wrestling, you know, that I don't know. But majority of these roundtable discussions, it's going to be me and just like a random guest, just so I can kind of, you know, over the last two years, we've been lucky enough to make a lot of really good friends with the fine folks at Stardom. So it's going to make for some really interesting content. Now, the $10 tier is going to be the bonus tier. And what I mean by that is, again, you're going to get everything I just said, uh, plus anything that we want to do and add on. That's what we're going to do. And we're going to take suggestions. For example, if Rod, Rob wants to do an alternate commentary of a random match with Scott from Scotty Wrestling, he can put that on there. If when we're in Philadelphia for Philly Mania, if Rob and I get really, really drunk and we want, which we're going to, let's call like spoilers, folks. Uh, <laughs> and we, if we want to rebook the 2023 Cinderella tournament. We will do that and put it on the feed is literally a bonus tier for anything that we want to do. If I want to explain the psychology and levels of my use selling, that'll go on. Though That'll be one and maybe one for me and maybe one for Rob. If Rob just messaged me one day and said, Hey, tomorrow, do you want to do alternate commentary to like the beauties salon zest hair match? We will do it. That's literally <laughs> a bonus tier. You don't know what's going to pop up in that feed, but I promise you it's going to be really, really good content. And again, like I always say at the end of the episode, it's just not my podcast. It's our podcast. If you are on, if you are a Patreon member, first of all, we thank you. And second of all, if you have any idea of something that you want to see or show that you want reviewed, let one of us know, let me know. I, and I can always do it. And and put it up on the uh, that bonus $10 tier. For example, if you're like, you know what, Matt? I really like Night 5, the 2019 Five Star Grand Prix. Can you review it? I'll review it, and I'll put that up on that tier. That's what it's for. It's literally let our creativity run wild because, boy, howdy. Uh, and you should see some of these text conversations that Rob and I have. We have so many ideas, and that's where, that's where it's going to go, the $10 tier. I love the fact that you've picked the 2019 five star Grand Prix because night five is an absolute belter of a night. I think that's <laughs> I think that's Momo Watanabe and Azumi. Um and it's it's a great match, really good match. Um yeah, basically we we've been talking about reconfiguring it for a while, and there's a couple of reasons, like Matt's touched on, we wanted to make everything more affordable because your support means everything and we want to give you, you know, as much content as we can for as you know, as little money as we can. Um and, you know, we've seen that people are struggling for money. We've seen exit surveys that have said that, and we, we want to try and address that. So starting in February, I'm going to be rejigging the tiers. So hopefully by the start of February, you will all be able to 
get a hold of the new things and stuff like that if there's any issues at all just messages on the patreon and we will get straight back to you to get it all sorted it didn't it wasn't an issue last time and i'm hoping fingers crossed <laughs> that it's not going to be an issue this time but you know i'm there uh, I'm I'm slightly skeptical. We'll uh, we'll see. Um, and the other reason is that I think the history of stardom is is phenomenally important, um, and that's why I want to sort of add that to the free feed um, because, especially for newer fans, um, sometimes it is harder to access that history, especially if it's not on Stardom World. And you know, to hear a retrospective of EO's you know v10 or to hear a retrospective of the Ryogoku cinderella show from back in 2013 it can really help so we wanted to add those to the free feed as matt said that's going to start from february and what what i think we're going to try and do is once a month so this drops on the free feed on a friday so what i was thinking was we'd put one on the retrospectives would drop on a tuesday so that basically you've got a constant stream of our voices in your ears. Um, and for the next couple of months, what we'll do is we'll do a brand new one. And then we'll one that we've recorded and put on the Patreon, for example, EOV 14 or the Momo one or the Ryogoku Cinderella one. Three of my favorite episodes that we've done. We will then put on the free feed as well. So there will be two episodes of, uh, sorry, three episodes of the Stardom cast every other week. Yes, so every Friday for the free feed, you will get our reviews of the week in Stardom, and then every other Tuesday, you will have one of those reviews, one of those retrospectives, one of those things looking at the history of Stardom. So I'm very, very much looking forward to that. Also on the horizon, um, I just wanted to make an announcement because I've uh, been doing a lot of stuff behind the scenes. Um, we're relaunching the Stardomcast website. Um, and the reason, again, behind doing that is because I wanted to do something that is more of an English English language site for stardom, again, for people who want to get into stardom. So it's going to be um, www.thestardomcast.com. Uh, sorry, the stuff. Blah, blah, blah. let me try that again. <laughs> www. I'm so tired. www.thestardomcast.weebly.com. Um, and basically, it's actually live now. Um, I'm currently populating it with podcast episodes and things. But on there um, is going to be all of our podcasts, backdated, free and Patreon episodes. But the thing I'm most proud of is the About Stardom section. And basically, what this will lead you to is championship histories, tournament histories, a full roster breakdown of current and alumni, including all sorts of things from um, their faction alliances, their finishing moves, how many championships they've held. Um, uh, it's also going to have things like their win-loss records broken down into years and into overalls. And it's going to have records, so things like um, attendances and, you know, how many times they've run Corrigan Hall or whatever. So basically what I want it to be is a free way of getting all of your stardom information. Um, there's also 
obviously where we house our Stardomcast Awards. Thank you to everyone that has voted in the 2023 version of the awards. Even more people voted this year than last year, which, again, thank you so much. The results to that will be on our next podcast. So that'll be dropping on the 10th, or we'll be recording that on the 10th. It will be dropping on the 12th of January, and that'll be when we give the uh, the official winners. So that pretty much brings to a close everything I think we wanted to say about the Patreon and the new website. So if you do want to check out the website, I will put a link in the podcast description. Um, just bear in mind that it's not fully populated yet. Um, it, the Basically, it's skeletally done. Um, it just needs populating. So I think I've only got up to it from current episode to episode 130, I think. So there's about 24 episodes on the website, things like that. So I'll get all that sorted and hopefully try and populate all of these championship histories and things. They're all on Google Sheets, so everyone can access them. They update automatically, so hopefully it's a little bit low, more low maintenance for me. Um, it'll have tile defenses and all sorts on there for your viewing pleasure. If there's anything you think will be beneficial to you or you want to see, um, then please let me know. I'm also going to try and keep on top of um, results as well. So we'll have a results page um, in the About Stardom section as well. Like I say, check it out for yourself and just let me know if there is anything at all you want adding to that. Um, Can I say one thing real quick, buddy, before we close out this segment? Please do. Oh, what a gentleman. Um, another reason why we are delaying this until February, not jumping into January, is because it gives me a month to figure out the technology. So since I'll be doing, <laughs> you know, some of the alternate bonus alternate commentaries and I'll be running obviously the what ifs and the uh, roundtable discussion, it's gonna give me a little bit of how to figure out certain things with StreamYard, which Rob makes it seem so effortlessly. So this gives me a little bit of uh, time. And what I'm trying to say is, folks, if I do something wrong or something's not clear, please let me know. Uh, I cannot get better without you, the audience, and the friends and family of the Stardomcast telling me uh, what I'm doing wrong or what I can do better. So uh, bear with me. And if you guys have any uh, helpful hints, let me know. Right. Let's kick into some news then. I don't want to spend ages on the news because I want to talk about two pay-per-view shows. But there is, of course two bits of news i want to talk about the first is some excellent news it started sort of leaking out yesterday uh, on various twitter sources i believe it was at william m gardner that dropped it first i actually picked it up because scott uh, retweeted it um and it says per william m gardner stardom will be returning to america on april the 4th at 3 p.m Eastern Standard Time for Stardom American Dream Live from the ECW Arena over WrestleMania weekend, and it will be presented by New Japan Pro Wrestling. As I mentioned before, this will be the first time that they have run um, America as their own independent sort of show um, since the Stardom Dream 2019 that they ran in New York over WrestleMania week. And if you remember, that also has that fantastic Momo Watanabe and Utami Hayashishita white belt match. Um, so obviously, huge news for uh, for Stardom to be returning to America. Um, it was confirmed officially on the Stardom Gate show today. It is happening. Stars from Stardom are going to be coming to, um, to America, coming to Philadelphia. The tickets 
it's pointless me saying this because by the time this drops, tickets will have already gone on sale, but they go on sale today, the 4th of January, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I hope that you guys can make it. Um, Myself and Matt, fingers crossed, Matt. Obviously, we've talked enough about Philly Mania. Uh, We've talked a lot about how it would be great if Stardom were running a show, um, and we'd sort of resigned ourselves to the fact that they weren't going to. Um, But, yeah, here we are, and... uh, it's going to be great to actually see a stardom show. If you are going, we would love to meet you at the show. Come say hi. We don't bite. Um, we're lovely. Well, Matt is. I tend to be. I I try to be. I'll make, I'll make sure Rob's on his best behavior. And I'll be, <laughs> I will. If, and again, if you if you're of age and you come to the bar, have a drink. If you're not of age, you don't drink alcohol. I'll buy you a water or a Pepsi or Yoohoo or whatever. By all means, it's literally the least we can do for everything that's going on for the show. But I will promise you, folks, I will do everything in my power to make sure that Rob is on his best behavior. <laughs> um, in all seriousness, it, it will be amazing to meet you all, see you all, speak to you all. Um, your support means absolutely everything. But Matt, a stardom show in America, not just a couple of the wrestlers, but everyone i'm very much looking forward to this perhaps more than wrestlemania i'm not gonna lie oh definitely for me for wrestlemania no disrespect to i mean the the pageantry of wrestlemania is something else i know you've never been i've been to uh, four wrestlemanias prior so it is something but considering the fact that not only is it stardom our favorite wrestling company the company that obviously we talk about the most but it's in the legendary ecw arena which is i mean obviously the building looks a lot different from when I used to work shows for Chikara and uh, CZW in the building, and then when I used to attend shows back in the 90s for ECW. It's very more upgraded. If you haven't been there since the 90s, you you won't recognize it. It's literally in the same spot on the corner of Swanson and Rittner Street. And uh, a helpful hint, if you are going, park in the Target about 200 yards away. It's just, It makes it so much easier, so much easier. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited. I saw that the news I got. We got tagged in a Twitter post uh yesterday uh tuesday as this recording and it wasn't really from the most reliable somebody i never didn't know who it was and i text you and we're like we have no idea who this person is again folks i've been involved in professional wrestling in one way or another for over 20 years it's one of those things that i don't believe it not unless i see it so i wasn't sure um our friends over at stardom sent us a uh, sent me a message literally as i tried to lay down yesterday just saying hey by the way there is going to be a stardom show in philly that rumor is true and i was like awesome that's terrific and then, yes, it was made official uh, earlier today as of this recording. Uh, Starm usually does after their first match. They always give you some sort of announcement that they are very much like uh, Arsenio Hall and Eddie Murray. They are, Eddie Murphy, they are coming to America, sir. Notice how I threw in that uh, 1980s. I think it was a 1980s movie, Coming to America. And if you're not over 21, don't watch it because there's a lot of cuss words. Anywho, so I'm super <laughs> excited about that. Um, not only that, I'm super, super excited for two more things, my friend. And I might as well shoot my shot here. You know, what the heck? I, I, I'm, a, I'm a salesperson. So in between uh, Wrestle Kingdom this morning and us doing this podcast, I had about a two-hour window where I was going to catch up on a little bit of sleep. And when I woke up, I had 38 messages on my Twitter. And a good majority were, were a whole bunch of people tweeting at stardom saying, you guys should have Rob Goodwin and Matt Turner either on as your commentary team or backstage announcers to do some interviews. So first of all, thank you. Uh, the overwhelming response that people want to see myself and Rob working this show one way or another as a commentary, uh, whether it's doing commentary, backstage interviews, just doing something. Uh, we greatly appreciate it. Absolutely. Folks, we know there are some phenomenal people that work for a that listen to this podcast. You know, 
to quote the late great Bray Wyatt, let us in. I can promise you all we can do is help promote the product of stardom. If this podcast, since when Rob started it over three years ago, is any uh, roadmap to tell you what the stardom cast can do, it's only to help to promote the greatest wrestling promotion in the world stardom. So if you're looking for commentators, backstage announcers, someone to do interviews, anything, we will be there. Worst case scenario, we are going to buy a ticket. Not a problem. Not a problem. And we will be there at least covering it live from the stardom cast. So we will be there one way or another. And I'm super excited for that. Now, again, Rob, I'm super excited that there's a ton of people that want us to do commentary for the show and fingers crossed. And trust me, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do everything to beg, to yell and scream, to try to get that dream to come true for us. My friend, um, almost as exciting as you see who the first stardom wrestler was to tweet out that they're super excited to come to America. If it's not Fuki and death, I'm going to be devastated. <laughs> Oh, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, you can catch me at Matt Turner OF on the Instagram <laughs> and the Twitter. It's only the most violent person to hit Philadelphia since Rocky Balboa, Hazuki, my oh, friend. Hazuki. sensational news. <laughs> yes. Yes, she tweeted out, and then I retweeted her tweet, and I said, Hazuki, are you coming to America? And she didn't respond just yet, but she liked my tweet, which she usually always either likes my tweets or retweets it. So, Hazuki absolute gem out of the ring in the ring and absolute menace in the best way possible <laughs> oh yeah i can't wait to see her boot someone so hard in the face um which sounds like a weird thing to want but uh yeah i'm looking forward to that so hopefully we will see as many of you there as is humanly possible again it is going to be on april the 4th at 3 p.m eastern standard time presumably it will go up on stardom world i presume it'll be on pay-per-view as well for people that want to check out see if you can spot us in the crowd um uh, just a couple of like lower key things uh miyuamasaki was pulled from the triangle derby show yesterday the new year stars 2024 show um through what is seen as illness um she also wasn't on the tr- the uh Stardom gate show today and uh, i haven't seen anything as of yet that sort of gives us a, any indication as to how long she is going to be out for but Miyu amasaki is added to the stardom injured list which is unfortunately where it looks like we are going to find tecla as well who uh, in a post match segment today um following the news that we're going to be talking about when we get to the stardom gate show um she said she's going to take some time off to heal um she basically hasn't had an extended time off since she started with the company she needs some time off just to heal old injuries and war wounds and things like that she has promised that she will be back um but that is another injury to add to the list um obviously we wish nothing but the best for Miyu Amasaki hopefully she recovers soon and of course to Tekla who again has been so good over the last couple of weeks has really really improved has really found her groove um and obviously Miyu Amasaki I I know that I've had pegged as uh, the future future of stardom champion um but yeah fingers crossed another one who is massively improving in ring map yeah, I'm a huge fan of Miyu Amasaki. Obviously, Queen's Quest is my faction. That's my jam, especially what I call the Queen's Quest A-plus team, Utami, Sai Kamatani, and Izumi. But when this bracket was announced, very much like last year, you had the Queen's Quest. And I say A-minus team because these three ladies are really good. Tina, 
uh, Lady C, who's crazy improving. Uh, I mean, everybody really is. And Miyu Amasaki. And those three have been working really well together on the quote-unquote, you know, house shows, the road to shows. Uh, and then I noticed they were going up against, they were supposed to go up against, in the first round, the Artists of Stardom uh, champions, the Berry Berry Bombers of Julia, Tekla, and um, uh, May Sakurai. And May Sakurai's hat as well. Let's call it like we see it. Pretty much a handicap match. So I was really looking forward to that. I figured the DDM team would have went through. But Julia, as she always does, she does a great job taking the, you know, the mid-card wrestlers and shining them up in their matches. So that was a match I was really looking forward to in the first round. Unfortunately, Miyu Amasaki came down with an illness and was off these shows and missed these shows. And hopefully she'll uh, recover and be back soon. But uh, we were, and obviously we'll get into it. We did get a really entertaining Lady C versus Hina match. Uh, a Queen's Quest Civil War match, if you will, Rob. I thought both women did extremely well, um, especially as, you know, that wasn't on the cards until very, very late on. I don't think it was announced that Miyu Amasaki was pulled from the show on the third until, I, don't, I think it was 40 minutes before the show started. So um, they did extremely well to put something together. I was quite interested actually to see lady c walk away with the victory but we'll uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that in a few moments let's talk about julia because i don't think enough has been said about julia at the moment um it's looking increasingly likely that julie will be leaving at the end of her contract nothing official has been announced but um we were surprised with some english commentary on stardom gate uh with Stu fulton and momo kogo who we are going to wax lyrical about later because i thought momo kogo in particular did a tremendous job to do commentary in her second language and be as good and as analytical as she was and to offer the insight she did. I thought she was absolutely tremendous. Um, Stu Fulton did a brilliant job, as he always does, holding it all together. But they mentioned during the semi-main event that Julia may or may not be going to a big American corporation. I believe the exact verbiage of it was. If she's not going you don't mention it. it. It's as simple as that, which sort of gives me the idea that, right, she she is going. Um, obviously, hopefully you aren't listening to this and haven't watched the shows. Otherwise, obviously, this show contains spoilers. Um, we have new artists of Stardom Champions, which, of course, Julia was one third of them. So she's now dropped one of those titles. I think if we see her drop the New Japan Strong title, whether it be against Trisha Dora on the 13th of January, which I don't think it will be, I'll be very interested to see you the challenger after Trisha Dora, um, who that is and when that is. Because if she drops the belt there, I would say it is almost 100% that Julia will be in the WWE before the end of the year, Matt. Yeah, um, from what I understand, I could, I, again, I could be wrong. I'm wrong quite often. It's part of my charm. Uh, I believe a lot of these Bushi Road contracts end at the end of March. I know the New Japan ones are usually right around Wrestle Kingdom. Obviously, saw we saw a handful of years ago with AJ Styles, Nakamura. Uh, the Good Brothers, uh, they left right after Wrestle Kingdom. But I believe the stardom contracts are up the end of March. So I believe Julie did not resign a contract yet because I think theirs are, again, I could be wrong. Uh, so don't quote me on this. Uh, don't chop it up. Say Matt Turner says the stardom contracts are good for two to three years. I think they're good for two to three years. Again, I could be wrong. Julie, I, I know her contract is up in March and wanted to stay probably up until right around the start of the five star. And then they were going to renegotiate then. So 
I think it was kind of just a handshake agreement, but it really seems that more and more, especially the fact of the big angle that happened after the co-main event of the show that happened this morning. Um, and then obviously with, uh, with them dropping the belts against spoilers for a show we're going to get into. And the fact that it was mentioned on English commentary, uh, and obviously this has been in the works since November. If you do remember, there were certain sites that were saying that Julia is going to be in the performance center in three or four days. It's like, no, that's not fine. And we all got to laugh again. I know we, I know we talked about this last week, but I'm a big fan of repetition jokes. Literally, we were on a podcast with, uh, with Karen Peterson, like a week later, and we were talking about Julia and Karen lives in the Orlando area where the performance center is. She's like, yeah, I didn't see her at the Seven Eleven or whatever. And I thought that was a great joke. <laughs> Karen's Karen's just an absolute gem, but yeah, it really seems like she's going again when when we don't know. The ideal thing for me would be just to have her maybe have her farewell match at All-Star Grand Queendom, um, the Yokohama Buntai. That'd be a big deal, especially the fact of who's it going to be against. Would it be against the returning Tam? Uh, Again, we'll we'll get into it a little bit later. They really tease some stuff with her and Shuri having a final match. I think that when she goes, she needs to put over Micah. I think that, especially with Micah calling her out after Micah won the World of Stardom Championship um, against Suzu Suzuki on Dream Queendom, would it be against Utami? You know, we finally get that dream match that we've been waiting for for, geez, three years now, right? Or it could be a Saya Kamatani, you know? I mean, there's a million matches you can do for Julia's farewell match. But again, from what I understand, and again, I'm going to reiterate, I could be wrong, I'm wrong often, is that her contract is up in March and she may just have a verbal agreement with Rossi because her and Rossi obviously have a great, great relationship uh, together. And Rossi may want her just to kind of have a, have, you know, an old school handshake deal to stick around for a few months to kind of help start and sell some tickets. And maybe if that's Julia's farewell on all-star grand queendom, we shall see it. But yeah, more and more, it looks like that maybe at the end of the summer, beginning of fall, we will see Julia probably in a WWE ring uh, sometime soon. So uh, all the more power to her, you know, God bless her. Obviously we want her to stay in stardom. But at the same time, she's obviously going to make a lot more money over into the WWE. And we've seen these English promos over the past two or three weeks have gotten really, really good with her. She connects with the American audience. Again, I saw her in the ECW arena in Philadelphia. Philadelphia fans are some of the most hardcore fans, especially when it comes to wrestling. And just on her entrance alone, got probably the pop of the night. That really goes to show that I think that she's ready-made for WWE TV. Um, I don't want to – if she goes to NXT – I hope it's not just too long. I hope it's just maybe just to work a couple programs with some of the girls and then put her up to the main roster. Because Julia is a talent from curtain to curtain, not somebody that you uh, you put in Full Sail University. No offense to the fine folks at Full Sail University because NXT is doing tremendous things. Oh, and by the way, we are going to uh, NXT as well. We got our tickets for that. So if you're going to NXT on that Saturday, uh, let us know. We'll be tailgating all day that day, folks. <laughs> oh, yeah, I will be absolutely sozzled. Um, uh, yeah, I mean... All signs are, you know, unfortunately from a stardom perspective are pointing to Julia leaving, um, you know, and it, it seems to have come a, come about very, very quickly from mere rumor to, for me at least, it seems a near certainty. The fact that Stu Fulton brought it up on English commentary, as I said before, it, if it's a rumor, if it's not happening, you just, you don't acknowledge it, it you know. But it does seem that that is the case. You know, we talked about it on our live stream, which, by the way, thank you to everyone that's reached out and uh, thanked us for the live stream. Uh, it, it went really well. I thought everyone, it was a really good show, really enjoyed it, basically. So thank you to everyone that joined us. Um, but, but yeah, it feels very much like Julia's departure is imminent. And yeah, I wonder 
where they're going with the New Japan Strong Championship because already they've, you know, she's dropped the artist belt. Um, there's the big faction breakup, which, you know, we keep alluding to, but we'll talk about in a minute. Um, so it feels like the New Japan Strong is the sort of final thing now before Julia leaves, which, again, is a shame, but I'm, uh, I'm excited to see what she does next in her career. Um, let's talk, then, about these shows. We've had two shows um, in the space of two days, two pay-per-views, and before we get into specifics, there's two things I wanted to note. Um, the first is that after quite a lot of negativity surrounding the company, you know, surrounding booking and all that sort of jazz. I think between Dream Queendom and these two shows, Stardom has that spring in its step back. Um, I've seen nothing but positivity about these two shows, especially the one from today, the Stardom Gate show, especially the main event between Mayu and Suri, which, again, we're going to talk about in a moment, but is unsurprisingly an absolute barn burner. But it seems that there is a positivity oozing out of stardom at the moment, Matt. I don't know if you've picked up picked up on that. Yeah, I actually mean you were texting on a handful of hours after this uh, the the show on the uh, the third, just about how great the show was, how everybody got over, and the fact that I think this is, and obviously we'll get into it, where we think we're going for the big pay-per-view on the uh, the 4th of February, the Supreme Fight Anniversary Show. And if half of our predictions are true, this is going to be an early uh, card of the year, uh, show you know show of the year. So all was pretty good. It looked like that the Yokohama Budokan was uh, pretty full. I believe that, I mean, the uh, the show from earlier today in Tokyo Dome City Hall, you know, I never seen it. Seen the venue before, it very much reminded me of the Hammerstein Ballroom in New York City. That looked jam-packed full. There's been nothing but high praise on these two shows, and especially again with that main event. Because boy, howdy, I, it was, I think you texted me like as soon as you woke up. I'm like, did you watch this match yet? I was like, no. And I was like, I think I have to watch it again because I'm running out of an hour of sleep. I think it might have broke the stardom scale, which we'll get into. But stardom for kind of being up and down. You know, again, they had some great cards in 2022. You know, and obviously uh, we we talked about it before. But for them to end the year on Dream Queendom. And then their first two shows, we get this, the, the rookie tournament and the Triangle Derby, which was a home run. And then we get a really, really solid show with a great co-main event and a must-see main event from earlier today with two really jam-packed crowds where the attendances were really well. And then I believe, I think there's a Corkin show this Saturday. And then basically that's going to lead all roads into that first week of February with that pay-per-view. It really seems like stardom is back on stride. And it kind of makes you wonder when they had to get rid of some of the, what's the good word for it? I'm trying to be positive. When they got rid of maybe some of the uh, the non-great booking people at Stardom and they kind of let Rossi be Rossi and let him book his company the way he needs to book it, Stardom fires on all cylinders. They really, really do. I mean, you're looking at Rossi Ogawa, you know, the hat man, as we call him, the Monopoly man, as my wife calls him. Uh, say what you want to about him, but here's a guy that has been booking wrestling longer than I've been alive. So he knows what he's doing, folks. And again, clearly, if he has the reins back, which it really looks like that he does, and he can book the promotion the way he wants to with the most loaded roster in the world. And five, well, I know there's only four rookies here. I'm a big fan of Aya Sakura when she comes back, and five really great rookies. I think 2024 is going to be a huge, huge year for the company that we love called Stardom. Yeah, absolutely. And also, something that I wanted to pick up the graphics packages. Now, this is something I actually saw at Dream Queendom. 
Um, and I only actually picked up from Megan Bain's entrance. But I don't know if you've noticed that on the Trons, um, we're getting individualized graphics for all of the wrestlers. So there was a big red dragon for Suzu Suzuki. Um, the Mace Sarah one is really cool. There's obviously the big sort of um, Pegasus for Megan Bain. Um, and then Sayorianu's white dragon as she's coming down. Jesus, we'll talk about that in a moment. Talk about championship aura. Um, but I don't know if you've noticed them, Matt, but they look really cool. I noticed it, I know you're going to say, and of course everybody listening to this podcast will say, of course you did, Matt. I noticed it first during when Tam came back at Dream Kingdom. She had a really cool, <laughs> she had a really cool one in Rio Goku. That was really good. I didn't, I know you messaged me the other day about them and I've kind of been paying attention to it, but you're telling me Suzu Suzuki had a red dragon? She did, yes, with sort of Suzu well, scratched across the middle. Well, Suzu Suzuki will now be a part of, you know, confirm Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly has Suzu Suzuki <laughs> as their understudy. So it's confirmed, my friend. You know, once you take it, you got to go with it because uh, that's the way wrestling Twitter works. But yeah, that's really cool. And, and, and what it does, Rob, it makes the individual stand out because they have their own graphic. And Stardom does a great job with these productions, especially on these big pay-per-views. I mean, we saw the light-up LED WrestleMania-style entranceway at All-Star Grand Queendom and the Yokohama Budokan. And they do a great job, you know, when they do the, the five-star uh, entrances, like the, the announcements, or not the announcements, but like the, the posts, the opening ceremonies. They do their production crew when they get to these bigger shows is really top-notch. And this is just something that is adding to it because, again, it's an individual thing for May Sarah, for a Susan Suzuki, for a Tam, for a Nasapoy, for a Soriano. It just really just makes that wrestler feel that much more important, which in turn makes the match that much important. It's just a little thing that really helps out a lot in the long run. So kudos to the Stardom production team for making uh, the product even better. And that's the same for the show logos as well, because especially the Stardom Gate one, I thought looked really, really cool. I noticed that um, a while ago, Saya Kamatani had had a new one, sort of an updated Phoenix, and everyone seems to be going down that sort of, um, sort of that route. But what I really liked was when Azumi Saya and Utami came out for their first round triangle derby match on the third, they'd got a joint one, so you've got the roses of Utami, you've got the phoenixes of um, of Sayakamatani, and then I can't remember what they had for Azumi. But that was all put together in like this big sort of computerized mural and looked really, really, really cool. So yeah, kudos to uh, whoever is doing the uh, design production at Stardom because it looks pretty damn cool. So well done. Um, we move to the New Year's Star Show. So this was the show from the 3rd of January doubling up as the 2024 Triangle Derby Tournament. It was from Yokohama Budokan in Kanagawa in front of 900 and 60 people probably a number that stardom are a little bit disappointed with um i believe it's the second lowest yokohama budokan attendance that they've drawn um the lowest being the 700 and some odd that they drew for new blood premium but you know we'll forego that when you consider the attendance from uh today's show which we'll talk about in a moment um i assume that the 960 is a little to do with the um, so little time, only so many shows you can go to over Wrestle Kingdom week. 
Um, and I think a lot of it as well is going to be based around, well, there's no title matches on this card again. But in spite of that, I thought, first of all, running the Triangle Derby over one night was significantly better than doing a round robin. It doesn't need to be a round robin. Plus, again, you know, you look at the teams that you got put together, the only real change that I would have made was having Hazuki in the Stars team. But as Mayu had, you know, a rigorous match today, obviously they weren't going to go very far. But overall, I think a success on that front. We had a very, very good rookie of stardom tournament with a surprise winner, um, which, you know, we've seen the rocket strapped to this person. We're going to talk about that in a moment. But overall, Matt, I thought this show, aside from the attendance, can be considered a success. I'll be honest with you, brother. I didn't know what the attendance was until you announced it. I, I just talked about five minutes ago that both these crowds uh, looked like they were jam packed. It looked like there was there was well over twelve hundred people. You know, I mean, again, what do I know? But yeah, both these shows were really good. I think the reason why, and we'll get into it, the reason why Hazuki was in that eight person tag, which we kind of when we're looking at the card, we're like. That's kind of just a throwaway match just to have the wrestlers get a little bit of rest before the finals match. But then it set up potentially a lot of really good matches coming up uh, probably in the next few weeks or so. So I think that's why they had Azuki in that eight-person tag is to set up what we think is going to be her big match, probably a semi-main event match uh, coming up at Supreme Fight. The rookie tournament, I mean, I knew it was going to be good because we've seen these rookies before, especially Hanako has been with the company about six or seven months and uh, Yuzuki has been phenomenal in the two or three months that she's been there. And just the handful of matches that Rana's had and Sayaka's had has been excellent. And Sayaka is just someone that's just like, if you were going to rank them, again, it may not be fair because they're rookies. She'd kind of be last of the four, but it really seemed like she really showed out like with her personality. It really, really does. And uh, it's interesting just to see, especially with the, the, the uh, breakup of a certain faction that we'll get to at the end of the show where some of these rookies are going to land and what faction. Obviously, Cosmic Angels and uh, <laughs> Club Venus, they need some members, but I don't know how many of these uh, rookies know how to dance. But I think they can be taught. <laughs> I think Mina Shirakawa is not only a great wrestler, but might be a great teacher. But, uh, yeah, this opener I thought was great. I mean, they opened up with a banger with uh, Yuzuki and uh, Rana Yagami, and these two really laid into into each other, didn't they, brother? Absolutely. Let's dive straight into it. Rookie of Stardom first-round tournament, Yuzuki defeated Rani Yagami with the rolling arrow in 6 minutes and 52 seconds. Um, uh, we knew they were going to be hot on Yuzuki. Um, she actually comes out this weekend with the highest singles win rate, which uh, obviously we've only done two shows, but uh, that is quite entertaining, the fact that she is 3 for 3 in terms of pinfalls over the week. Really, really quite impressive, but they are clearly strapping the rocket to Yuzuki. They clearly see something in her and I'm not surprised because from that very first match you had with Momo Watanabe, both of us were talking about how she had, you know, the intangibles. You know, you could tell that she just got pro wrestling. Yes, she's not the finished article by any stretch of the imagination. None of the rookies are. But, you know, there was something about her, and I said it before, I'll say it again, she wasn't just running lines. You know, she knew her lines, and not only did she knew her lines, she was adding so much to it. Rani Yagami, I thought, was really impressive in her New Blood debut. Here, she tried something different. It was a really good back and forth. Overall, though, the correct person won. I think Rani Yagami, obviously, again, 
very new rookie only debuted on Christmas Day. Um, a little bit of seasoning, and she will be a very, very good addition to the roster as well. Uh, Rob, you mentioned before a few times that you think Rana Yugami is tailor-made for a god's eye. But what do you think, maybe because of her aggression and the way she throws her kicks, what do you think about maybe her going to a wedo tie? Um, my only issue with, well, it's a decent thought because I was thinking about this earlier. Because with a wedo tie, um, you sort of, you have an issue in the fact that Ruaka is eating every single pinfall. So every pin, every match that she is in at the moment as part of a weather tie, she is eating the pinfall. So when you want to start pushing Ruaka up the card, you need someone else in a weather tie to begin taking the falls. Obviously, you won't have it being Wiener unless you are setting up a future challenge. Fuki can death is Fuki can death. She's impervious to pinfalls, so it's not going to be Fuki can death. And obviously, you're then into your main talent in a weather tie in Tora, Watanabe, and uh, Starlight Kid. So maybe they do need a rookie. It, you know, it would certainly take a lot of the pressure off Ruaka and allow her to progress up the card because, you know, she's been Future of Stardom champion. Um, she's tried for the Goddess of Stardom titles once, so maybe she needs to be pushed a little higher up the card now. Maybe it is her time alongside Rina to sort of be known as less than just the youngsters. Yeah, good point, my friend. Good point. And it might be somebody else, too. At the end of the tournament, there was a little bit of pushing and shoving a referee as well. But as much as we joke about a wet tie having a thousand members, they haven't had anybody new join since Momo at the end of 2021. That's a very good point. And obviously, you you know, you've got quite top heavy in uh, a weather tie you don't seem to have anyone that sort of bridges the gap between you know your youngsters your rookies your less in your less experienced wrestlers and your main event talent unless of course you count fukikin death and she's more of a comedy character so yeah i can see ronnie agami being in there she's certainly i'd argue of the four she's certainly the most aggressive um i would have said hanako to uh, donna del mondo but obviously for for you know, reasons we'll get into. That's not going to happen. Um, so maybe it could be Hanako. It definitely won't be um, Sayaka Karora. She she seems very Cosmic Angels slash Club Venus. Um, and Yuzuki, potentially she doesn't really street scream bad guy. Um, and, uh, you know, if they are pushing her the way they're pushing her, maybe she will go into a more face sort of space maybe she'll go into uh, into stars or into a queen's quest but yeah potentially rani agami you know if they are going to go sort of lean into that aggression that she shows by all means stick her in a weather tie my only thought for god's eye is because of a submission based game and the fact that she you know sort of singled out Sturie as a big inspiration for her which of course led to their match at uh, a new bloody eleven. Um, were you surprised that Yuzuki? Obviously, we'll we'll get into it um, a little bit more um, when we get to the match. But were you surprised that Yuzuki actually came out with the victory of the entire tournament? That was not good, sir. Because um, if you uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel, we did a little bit of a uh, preview uh, and picks. And I know you had Hanako winning. I actually picked Yuzuki to win the whole thing. So I actually got one right. Now, of course, we'll get into the Triangle Derby when not only me and you picked Queen's Quest to win, but my lovely bride, Amber, did as well. And we all went down in glorious flames in that one, brother. <laughs> oh, God, yeah, absolutely. Just It's got to happen, hasn't it? It's got to happen. You've got to get one prediction wrong. As soon as, as, soon, as I remembered who they'd got, 
in the first round. Because I was like, oh, it's Utami, Sire, and Azumi. It's like, you know, Queen's Quest A-Team. It's like the big guns. And then I remembered that they were against Mech and Bane, Suzu, Suzuki, and Mace. I was like, oh, no one's eating the pinfall out of that team. Um, but never mind, because it was a great match. So uh, ultimately, we were the winners. Um, we move on to um, the second rookie of Stardom first round match, which saw Hanako get rid of Sayaka Karora in five minutes and 13 seconds with the Brain Buster. Um, shorter match, but I actually really... This is my favorite performance of the few that we've seen from Karora, simply because she came into this match with a very clear game plan. You know, she knew she wasn't going to out-muscle Hanako. Hanako is considerably bigger and considerably better built than Sayaka is. But she came in, she tried to grind her down, consistently tried to grind her down, and it just ultimately was her inexperience which let her down. And I thought that was a really cool story to tell in those five minutes, Matt. Yeah, it was really well. And she seems more confident, more sure of herself. As she was walking down the aisle, she was really playing to the crowd a little bit more which, yeah, it does seem like she'll probably go to one of the super babyface teams, whether it's Club Venus, whether it is uh, Cosmic Angels, or whether it could be Stars as well. You know, you don't know. I think those are kind of the three to go to. Uh, but she's, again, she's only had a handful of matches, and she's improving with each and every outing. And something I want to point out, and I kind of wrote this down in my notes, and I, this is kind of the perfect place to put it in before I forget. It's one thing when these rookies have a good tag match right because you can kind of smoke and mirror the weaknesses and strengths with two or three other people in a tag match it's another thing if they're in there with a shuri a julia a han and so on so forth and they can kind of carry things carry things but these are three matches where you have three rookies all three of these matches i thought were really really good where it's like who's leading who like i'm sure like Hazuki, mayu whoever the agents are whatever they have agents it's kind of telling what to do what not to do they may have been kind of practicing the matches at the stardom dojo but still like these three three these three matches are great and considering the fact that you have four rookies all rookies in these matches and they were this good just goes to show that these girls might be a year year and a half away of leading like a good 10 12 minute singles match again against maybe a hana against arena uh, you know, against a Ruaka, against somebody that kind of lower up here on the card where they may just be like, okay, here's your match. We're going to have the newer person lead it for 10 to 12 minutes, you know, sink or swim. And I have a feeling that all four of these ladies, when given the opportunity in about a year from now, are going to swim and swim very well. Well, this was why I was so impressed with Miyu Amasaki in, um, in that six woman at um, the Open Dream Queendom a couple of days ago because she was in there with, you know, all of the rookies. She was the most experienced in there. And I thought she held the match together really, really well. There was no super experienced wrestler in there to sort of glue everything together, to be sort of that yardstick for the match. And you're absolutely right. You know, all of these matches had the potential to fall apart. You have got a rookie versus a rookie, you know, if they're not ready for it, then, you know, things can go wrong. But I thought all four women did exceptionally well. As I've already said, I thought Karora had her best showing yet. Hanako, you know, clearly the more experienced wrestler, I thought did very, very well to sort of lead the match. Um, and again, Yuzuki, who only debuted at the end of last year, I thought has done a tremendous amount really 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 well and clearly has been trusted by the company as well so excellent stuff from her 
we move on then to a singles match. Now, obviously, with Miyu Amasaki's injury, um, initially this was going to be one of the teams from the Triangle Derby, Lady C, Hina, and Miyu Amasaki were going to be taking on the Barry Barry Bombers in the first round. Now, as a result of Miyu Amasaki's illness, the Barry Barry Bombers got a bye through to the semifinals, and then due to the result of the next match ended up with a bye to the final, but we'll we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, so this left Lady C and Hina with a singles match with Lady C coming out with the victory, defeating Hina in seven minutes and 39 seconds with the ready, I'm ready, which is sort of her variation of the blue thunderbomb. Um, again, you really enjoyed this match, Matt, and I must admit it was quite ground-based to start off with, which I quite liked, but Hina, every time I see her, Hina impresses me and i think i say this every time we talk in detail about hina she sort of in the family and when you know maybe 18 months ago she was the sister that everyone sort of slept on because you'd got hannon who was clearly earmarked for special things you know a very clear baby face icon and then you've got rena who'd got the attitude and had got the charisma so everyone focused on those two and sort of sort of ignored Hina. And now as they're getting older, yes, Rina is still the charismatic one, Hannon is still the future ace one, but Hina has quietly been going about her work and getting slowly better, developing her own niche. And I think she's one that when you, when she came out, you could feel there was more confidence in her than she's carried in the past, Matt. Yeah, I believe it was that last year's Cinderella's tournament. Last year's Cinderella tournament, excuse me. She had her new gear, and as you said, my friend, she pokey evolved up. Uh, so I thought, so it's like okay, like obviously they're clearly putting something into Hina if they're getting her new gear and they're investing this time and money into it, which is great, which I love to see. And then you got constantly see it with the progression of her having more reps in. And obviously, we know that Rina, Hana, and Hina, they have a background in judo. We see the, the way they use the judo throws and submissions and some of the roles to get into some of their offense. But we've seen Hina now, maybe over the past six to eight weeks, she uses the judo throw to set up arm bars, to get an arm bar submission. And it really seems like that's kind of the offense that she's going with. Now, she can always adapt and evolve and use it to set something else up. But I really, really like that because now it's like she kind of has a game plan going into her matches of what she wants to do. She wants to break down the opponent's arm, and she's using one of her best offensive weapons or even a defensive weapon. I mean, a lot of times these wrestlers, or even in a judo tournament, they use that that hip throw, that judo throw, throw as a defensive move to get to build into an offensive move. And we've seen Hina do it, you know, in matches prior, and we've seen her in a singles match here with Lady C. Where again, there's no smoke and mirrors. It's just her and her other opponent. You know, there's no uh, there's no Utami or Azumi or Sai to kind of have the flash to kind of come in um, with some of the stuff they do and then set Hina up for her moveset that, you know, that we've seen them do with Miyu Amasaki as well because Queen's Quest is they're just the best. But it's really, really good stuff here. The way she uses the judo throw to set up the arm bar and then transition to different variations of the arm bar. I thought it was great here. Lady C is ever improving. I mean, boy, howdy, her and Ami Sori when they challenged Wingori for the New Blood uh, Championship uh, back on Christmas Day. That was a really big coming out party for Lady C, who might have been the MVP on the whole entire show. And now it's just she's getting, you know, she's always been improving over the last year, year and a half. But I think that in 2024, we're going to see a vast improvement on Lady C, very much like we saw with 
Mina Shirakawa in 2022 and Yuna Mizumori in 2023. I would not be shocked that uh, this time next year, we're not talking that Lady C is the most improved wrestler in all of stardom, or maybe in all of wrestling, but really good showing here. They did the best they could with the bad situation. Again, Miyu Amasaki probably came down with some sort of illness. I'm not sure if it was COVID or the flu, or you can't be too careful now. You know, it's not 15 years ago where you just wrestle through an injury or you'll just wrestle through a sickness. And, and that's that, especially with, you know, if with where we live in a post COVID world, you don't want to take chances of getting anybody else in the building sick, you know, whether it's the fans, the staff or any of the wrestlers. So sorry to the right thing by sending Miyu home. And then it was just like, well, we have lady C and Hina here, what do we do? Uh, let's just give them a singles match, you know, give them the ring time. And they did, and relatively it was a really good match, and uh, really excited to see what these two ladies are going to do in the future. Where do you see Lady C? I mean, you've got three obviously, obvious main eventers. Definitely in Utami and Saya, Azumi is getting there. So, you know, You've sort of got, and this is where the SWA belt, sort of that mid-car belt, was a great thing to have, even if its rule set completely hamstrung it. You'd got something that Lady sees, and you know, people like Miyu Amasaki's or people like Ruwaka, who we've just talked about. You know, there's no real bridge from the future of Stardom Championship through to the white belt. Now, uh, you know, Lady C could have the greatest 2024 of all time. I still don't think she'd be ready for a white belt shot. Not realistically. Anyway, so do you see her maybe going for the tag belts, the Goddess of Stardom belts? Do you see her because I think, did she debut in 2020 or did she debut in 2021? I think it was, or did she debut in 2022? I can't remember. Can't remember off the top of my head. Um, basically, you know, has she got? Do you think that the next step is a future of Stardom champion? Obviously, there's only so many wrestlers that can become future of Stardom champion before the time runs out. Where do you think she lies in that case? I think what you do with the rap is you build up this trio team of her, Hina, and Miyu Amasaki and you give them a shot maybe sometime in late spring, early summer at the Artists of Stardom Championship, especially if it's the God's Eye Trio that has the belts. I think that'd be a really fun, entertaining match if you put it on a cork and, or you put it like you know third or fourth from the top on a, uh, on a pay-per-view. Mm. I think if you spend this time building them, because it's going to be a great match, you know that obviously they're not going to be pinning Ami, Mirai, or Shuri. Uh, but at the same time, you know that Shuri, Mirai, and Ami, they're going to bring it but they're going to make sure that this younger trio is going to get their stuff in as well. Obviously, Lady C with those furious running boots and the big choke slam and the chops that she does is excellent. Obviously, Miyu Amasaki is very, very explosive, and Hina can do a little bit of everything. I think that's where you go. I think that you build this team up over the course of the next few months and then give them a shot, again, on a bigger show, whether it's a pay-per-view or a cork, and at the Artists of Stardom Champions. And again, give Shuri, former Red Belt champion, uh, Mirai, former two-time uh, Cinderella uh, winner, and as well as the uh, former White Belt champion, and Ami Sori, former future champion. Give them a run for their money. Obviously, have the God's Eye team retain, and then I'm sure get on the microphone and really put them over. You know, again, as I always say, it's not just who uh, who gets who goes over, it's who gets over. And I think if you build these three up a little bit and have them give them, you know, maybe a 17, 18 minute match with those three, you know, main eventers, I think it would be a really good shot in the arm for all three of their careers. 
Yeah, I've just had a look. Lady C debuted in 2020, and I believe the rules of the uh, Future of Stardom Championship now prohibit her from actually challenging. So, uh, yeah, because you've got to be under, I believe, is it the under eight, under the age of 20 or having less than two years wrestling experience. So that does seem to, uh, unfortunately, end Lady C's uh, ambitions of getting the of getting the Future of Stardom Championship. But that, like you said, might be a blessing in disguise. The artist or, of Stardom. Or be an or be an uh, cl- an alien clown, buddy. I think that's the other. I think there's an asterisk in there. Or be an alien clown. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. She could claim that. She could claim that. Um, but yes, let us move on then. So we moved on to the first of our triangle derby matches, and that's all the trio, the Queen's Quest trio of Utami Hayashita. Uh, Oh my God, let me try that again. I'm so excited. <laughs> the Queen's Quest trio of Utami Hayashishita, Sai Kamatani, and Azumi, and the team of Megan Bain, Suzu Suzuki, and Meisera go to a time limit draw, 15 minutes, um, and therefore both teams were eliminated. Hatman lasted four matches into the new year before booking a time limit draw mat. Um, it's one that makes sense. I don't particularly mind this one. It was a great match as we knew it would be. I thought Megan Bain, uh, just, every time she came into the ring, she seems to improve. She's got great chemistry with all three members of Queen's Quest, You know whether it's sort of trying to negate the pace of Azumi, the athleticism of Sire, or going suplex for suplex with Utami. It just felt big match, which I really, really enjoyed. Um, overall, this was, if not my match of the night, certainly second uh, match of the night. Again, the Queen's Quest 18 blow it out of the water, but that should not take away from the work that Megan Bain, Suzu Suzuki, and Meisera did. Because especially that sequence between Meisera and Azumi, it's just, it's breathtaking how good they are, isn't it? Yeah, this is my second favorite match of the whole weekend, as far as the stardom shows go. Uh, Okada and Danielson was probably my second favorite match of the whole weekend, as far as wrestling goes. That's neither here nor there, sir. Yeah, um, usually, like most of us, I thought this was hilarious. So, Megan Bain's going to start the match. So, you're like, okay, they're going to probably have Tommy start the match. They're going to have, like, a power. You know, they'll throw some forearms, they'll do some shoulder tackles, or maybe Sayakamitani will come in there with explosiveness. But poor Azumi, all 95 pounds of her, five foot one, is like, nope, I'm going to start this match. I'm like, oh, Azumi's going to use her quickness to like kind of maybe blow up Megan Bain. No, she nope. just goes over and starts <laughs> forearming Megan Bain. And again, it's Azumi's Queen Quest, folks. I will always give them the pass because they're my favorite faction all in wrestling. And I was like, you go, Azumi. You go, Azumi. And then once Megan Bain gets a hold of Azumi, the high-speed bomb girl just takes an absolute beating. But then there's some really good stuff here. And obviously what it does is it sets up that Megan is getting over on Azumi with uh, Aphrodite, with Tommy inside Kamatani, being the best tag team in the world. They quickly come in and use some double teams to get over on Megan Bain. And then we see some really good crazy star double team stuff with Aphrodite, which obviously goes into the post-match interview, which we'll get into. Um, really good double teams, really good single stuff. And normally when we see these multi-person tag matches, especially on pay-per-views, when you have your really good high-speed wrestlers, your Kagamas, your Maceras, your Zoomies, your Starlight Kids, your Natsupoys, usually they'll start the match out with a really fast pace. Like that's how you're kind of engage, engaging the crowd is you have these two wrestlers that are great at high-speed wrestling and kind of set the tone where they don't do that here. So you're having your double teams, you're having everybody get one or two big moves in, building towards the middle of the match. And then Azumi and Mace Sarah come in like, okay, now we're going to give the high speed. I'm like, oh, that's something different. 
that's something different that we rarely, rarely see with the two high-speed wrestlers. And their exchange was only about 90 seconds, but that's all it needed to be. I thought that was really, really good stuff. I thought that uh, the way that that was built, put in the match different, was something different from we've seen before. I loved how Queen's Quest, in order to take down Megan Bain, they would use a lot of the triple team work because they work so well together. Again, May and Suzu Suzuki's terrific. Uh, Megan Bain had no issues whatsoever picking people up and throwing them over the top rope uh, as per usual, which I thought was great. And then we got some great Utami and Megan Bain stuff. And then we had a really, really good uh, final few minutes where I didn't know where it was going to go. You know, as the countdown was going and as this pace of match was going, as we were maybe about 12 or 13 minutes in, I figured, okay, this is going to a time limit draw because I can't see either of these two teams wrestling this type of match of the night style one or two more times. Usually, if you're only going to be out there for one match in this tournament, you give everything you can in that one match, which is just goes to show these six ladies want to make sure they left everything in the ring in this match. But I'm also thinking there's no way they're going to give the artist champions two buys into the finals. <laughs> like the first time you see them, they're going to be the main event. So there's no way they can do that. But at the same time, you're kind of backed into a corner because the Miyu thing was literally last second. Wasn't supposed to happen. Are you going to rebook everything last second because of that? So I completely understand. I loved it how Azumi, they kind of worked the finish towards her going for the C4 bomb, you know, which is that cross leg German suplex that she does that I would love to see her win more matches with. Uh, obviously, she likes using the arm bar and 54,000 variations of the double stomp. But I love her to see use that C4 bomb as the finish. She tries to get it on May. She can't get it. She eventually gets it with some help from Mutami inside Kamatani, again, just showing the chemistry of Queen's Quest. Gets it for a two count when uh, Suzu Suzuki makes the save. And then you do see uh, Megan Bain basically take out both members of Aphrodite. That leads to the crazy star teamwork, the uh, lung blower German suplex into the uh, rolling star finish from uh, May Sarah. Eventually that gets broken up by Aphrodite. And then we just see uh, May Sarah and Azumi basically have a sprint finish towards the end as the bell rings uh, again, phenomenal, phenomenal match out of all the triangle derby matches that have happened up till this point in this year. This is my favorite one, buddy. <laughs> Absolutely. Faces stiff competition. Um, yeah. No, a lot. Four and a quarter. Four, four and a quarter stars for me, brother. I think I gave it three and three quarters. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I love the fact that they played off the fact that Utami, Saya, and Azumi are a better team or a more cohesive team than Megan, Suzu, and Maysera. And I thought that it really did help put over Megan Bain the fact that they had to use those triple teams and that speed to try and wear her down. It's still sort of built her as this inconquerable monster which you know she needs having lost all three of her big singles matches you know she needs to do that um uh, after the match um suzu suzuki and maysera who are of course crazy star um they challenged aphrodite for the goddess of stardom championships oh my god matt yes please plug it into my veins absolutely buddy yeah when suzu grabbed the mic first again i don't speak japanese uh other than argato and larry and brain buster i thought again because in the back of my head i'm like there's no way they're giving two buys to uh mafia bella i thought suzu was going to not mafia bella berry berry bomber same thing mafia bella plus one and and the hat i thought she's like hey let's restart this match let's give it five minutes that's where i thought we were going and then she kept pointing at the belts and i was like as much as i want five more minutes to see Queen's Quest win this tournament, which, in my opinion, even though they only wrestled once, they won on points, uh, just like they did last year. Another story for another day. But uh, 
we are going to get a phenomenal goddess of stardom championship match i'm assuming and again we'll get to this later that this is going to take place on the supreme fight show and boy howdy what a match that's going to be and whatever the wonder of stardom championship match is going to be on that show which we have an idea what it's going to be whatever the world of stardom championship match is going to be which we don't know what's going to be just yet they are going to have a tough match to follow because they usually put the goddess match on and they'll go white belt, sub-main, and uh, red belt main event. Because if that is one of your uh, championship matches out of assuming there's going to be at least three, good luck following that. Good luck to Soriano and whoever her opponent is. Again, it's who we think it is. It's going to be a barn burner. And good luck to the new champion, Micah, who we love, and whoever she's wrestling, because this Aphrodite versus Crazy Star match is all the makings to be uh, one of the best tag matches of the year early on, because this is going to be tremendous. And I mentioned it... um, we did the live stream last week, partner. You know, if you're looking at a positive this from Su- the Suzu Suzuki fans, her not winning the belt is her and May Sarah can challenge Aphrodite for the tag belts. And you know it's going to be an absolute instant classic. And folks, ask and you shall receive. And I think as soon as the match was not made official, but as soon as the promo was done, I tweeted at the stardom account. And I said, hey, you know, I don't know if you guys know, but uh, Christmas was about 10 days ago, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they did. They did a good job with that over this uh, over this show. Um, and yeah, completely agree. And if that's what they are setting up for the fourth, we know we are getting a red belt match. We know we are getting a white belt match. So that's three championship matches and three high caliber championship matches to stack the top of that card. Yes, please. Yes, please. There's already um, talk of there being a Nanai Tagashi versus Mina Shirakawa singles match being on that card as well, which I would love. I think that's a really, really good idea, especially, and that does come with a caveat, if Mina Shirakawa gets her win back. Looking at you, Nanai. Um, anyway, we move on to our second first round match, which saw the Oedetai team of Tora, Starlight, and Momo Watanabe defeat the Stars team of Mayu Watani, Hanan, and Saida. And of course, it's Saida eating that damn pinfall. Momo Watanabe pinning Saida with the hidden Otoshi driver in 9 minutes and 41 seconds. And Machi was wearing new gear as well on new gear, on new gear day, no less. Momo Watanabe pins Sayurida. Has she no shame? It's like, here's what we're going to do. I, we Both members of Wingori had new gear. Obviously, we saw them debut the uh, the jackets. They didn't have the swords this time. So maybe they thought, I'll tell you what, here's what we'll do. We're going to go to a pawn shop. We're going to cash in these swords because you're not a pirate. And that makes no sense. And we're going to take the money and get you new gear, which I'm all for. But both Hana and Saida, they pokey evolved up. They both look really good, only for Saida to look really, really good in the match, only for Momo Watanabe to beat her. However, as much as we are the unofficial, official, unofficial Saida pump up Saida podcast, the fact that she lost to Momo Watanabe is A-OK because we love Momo Watanabe. But Saida looked fantastic here. Her exchanges with Momo Watanabe was like chop, kick, chop, kick, chop, kick. And I will watch that all day. Obviously, Hana was great here. Mayu was terrific as well. They did a great job singling out Starlight Kid to start the match, only for Tora to come in and uh, you know pretty much make the save and then pretty much bully around uh, Hana and Saida in the match. But the, yeah, I mean, everybody looked really good in the match, but this match was just built around building Saida up, only for her to eat some double teams uh, from the XL tag team. And then Momo Watanabe ultimately putting it away. Really good story. Really simple story to tell. Mayu got enough in, but not enough where, like, you know, you were worried that she'd be injured for her uh, big matchup coming up the next day, which was complete opposite for Shuri because uh, 
poor Sherry wrestled about an hour this week and was like the superstar of the week to, to for sure. But uh, yeah, really good stuff. And uh, I actually gave this four stars. I liked it that much. Yeah, it was a great match. Worked really, really well. Very, very good heel versus face dynamic. Simple match, if I'm being perfectly honest. But I think everyone played their part really well. Focus on Starlight Kid as well in small, quick patches, which I like. Hopefully she has a far better 2024 than she did 2023. And I'd like Momo Watanabe to be up there as well, especially having... Uh, having sort of recaptured that aggression that we loved in her. Unfortunately, Sayurida was the one sacrificed here, but, you know, ultimately we knew this team was probably not going to go all the way because of Mayu's commitments the following night. Um, we move on to the final first round match then that saw Abarembo, Godzai, Suri, Mirai and Amisori defeat the Oedatai team of Rina, Ruaka and Fukik and Death um, with Mirai pinning Ruaka with the Lariat in 6 minutes and 26, in perhaps the most predictable match of the tournament, Matt. Yeah, true, and this had to be short for obviously reasons we'll get into. It was a very simple match to sell. However, there was one part with the O'Connor roll that had me sweating a little. That damn O'Connor roll gets you every time, which just shows the genius of Fukin Death, the fact that she wins all like the Corgan matches and like the Sendai Pit matches with the O'Connor role that when you get to these pay-per-views, even last week she had Mayu. We talked about it last week. She had Mayu in the O'Connor role for a split second. I'm like, are they going to pin Mayu a week before <laughs> she defends the title against Shuri? And then Hazuki's boot came in. I'm like, oh, you know, thank God for Hazuki. <laughs> but they even got me here. But I understand why this match had to be as short as what, as what it was. It told the story. Wedotai got in what they needed to get in. Ultimately, Mariah hits the Lariat. We get one, two, three, and then the announcement comes up. That, uh, I, by the way, I gave this three and a quarter stars. Again, it was it was simple. Nothing was offensive. Nothing was wrong. It needed to be simple for the following reasons, Rob, because as you know and as I know, as the announcement came across the loudspeaker that I guess Sherry had no idea was going to happen because she looked mortified was that because the uh, there was a time limit draw in the uh, the first uh, first round uh, match that the uh, DDM team would get a bye to the finals, that the second round match would be taking place right here, right now. And Shuri, the biggest ass kicker in the entire company, she looked mortified. But once the bell rang, she she was okay. <laughs> yeah, and to be fair, it, again, it wasn't too taxing. Abarembo God's eye then made it through to the final, defeating the Oedetai team of Tora Stark and Momo Watanabe in the only semi-final match. <laughs> Um, with Natsukatora being counted out in 8 minutes and 22 seconds. I'd argue this was standard fare, Matt. Um, there was some really interesting and some really tasty exchanges, Momo and Suri, the limited time they got together. We know that Mariah and Momo Watanabe have got really good chemistry when they get going. We saw that during their Nagoya Golden Fight match, which was one of the low-key matches of the year. We saw it in their five-star match as well. And now Suri as well got her licks in as well in her exchanges with Natsukatora but overall you know nobody felt like Oedata were going to make it through to the final I think once it became clear that Barry Barry Bombers were going straight through to the final for me at least it made sense for Abarembo God's Eye to give it the best sort of final match it needed to be Suri's team that made it through yeah, true. But in the back of my head, I was thinking, well, again, Shuri, is Shuri going to wrestle three times this night? Because again, with the uh, litany of injuries that poor stardom had to endure at the back end of last year, 
you know, would they err on the side of caution? Now, again, obviously, you get a Mariah and Amisori do the heavy lifting, which is fine. But would they err on the side of caution that we want Shuri out 100% for that Tokyo Dome City Hall match? So there was a, a, a chance in my head I was thinking that there's a possibility we get a DDM versus Oedo Tai final. And with, the, with it being, you know, Momo, Tor, and Kid, that's a tasty matchup if we got that against Julia, uh, Sakurai, and Tekla. Obviously, that's not the way they went. Again, um, this match, the psychology of this match was very, to quote, a very handsome and smart Brit that I know, Oedo Tai's got to Oedo Tai. So the match starts oh, nice. out with a jump. Match so we get double Oedo Tai being Oedo Tai within the first 90 seconds. So not only does it start with a jump that Oedo Tai does, then it starts out with a all-out brawl. By all-out brawl, I mean you have uh, six different people in this match, so you have three different ways of having the all-out brawl. So the cameramen have done a great job of panning to this throw through a chair, this throw through a chair, this throw through a chair. But ultimately, for me, the best action on the outside was in the third row, uh, bombless by the aisleway, Shuri and Momo Watanabe are just laying kicks into each other. I'm like, I can watch this for the next five minutes. They're just exchanging kicks. And anytime I see that, I have flashbacks to their final of the 2021 five-star Grand Prix and one of, if not the best matches in all of wrestling in 2021. So those two are always a great pairing. Again, partner, you mentioned uh, Mariah and Momo Watanabe. Momo Watanabe, excuse me, the limited action they had. But they did a really great job uh, shining Starlight, Starlight Kid up in this match, which makes me go to believe. I know we talked about it towards the end of last year. Because uh, Starlight Kid really didn't do too, too much in 2023 that we all feeling that they're going to really shine her up and build her back up. And Starlight Kid's going to have a fantastic uh, 2024. At least that's what we're hoping because she's tremendous. Obviously, Tora was good here as well. Amisori was was terrific as well. But ultimately, there's this crazy, crazy brawl on the outside, which it's just, it's kind of funny because it's like, here's Oedo Tai's bread and butter, right? This huge brawl. Ultimately, that the brawl that winds up uh, leading to the demise in this match because... No member of a widow tie can answer the 20 count as Ami Story does. And uh, the best finish possible, my man. Count out. Count out's rule. Count out's rule. Three, three and three fourth stars. I love the fact that a widow tie were that shocked that someone was engaging them in their own shenanigans that they forgot <laughs> to answer the 20 count. I think that's a brilliant way to finish that match. Um, we then move on to the third match from the top, which I must admit, we both said during the preview, looked very much like a throwaway tag match, which it was just a case of, right, let's throw everyone who isn't in a triangle derby team let's put them all in a tag match and it actually ended up being one of the more entertaining matches on the card and set up two feuds heading into supreme fight in february um it was an eight woman tag with the team of nanai takahashi yu hazuki and saki kashima defeating the team of Mika, mina shirakawa yuna mizumori and sayori ano with saki kashima Getting the pin over Yuna Mizumori with the Kish Kasai in 16 minutes and 36 seconds. No love lost at all between Nanai Tagashi and Mina Shirakawa, Matt. Actually, well, Mina wants to start with Nanai, and then Sayori was just like, no, 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 I'll start. And Hazuki's like, no, I want, no, no then, I'm sorry, Hazuki's like, no, I'll start, and then calls out uh, Sayorianu. And we, again, I mean, we mentioned last week about an hour after Soriano won the Wonder of Stardom Championship, Hazuki was tweeting out that she wanted a shot. So you wonder if that was just kind of hearsay or if that's where they were going. And clearly that's where it seems like it was going because as great as this match was, and it was, again, we thought this was going to be a throwaway match, but it really set up two potential uh, big matches coming up. Again, my guess is going to be Supreme Fight. 
the main crux of this match for me was Suzuki and uh, Soriano. Because if this is a preview, Rob, of what we're going to get when they eventually have that match for the Wonder of Stardom Championship, I'm all in. And I know, like, I sound shocked. And you're like, really, Matt? You, you're shocked that Hazuki and Soriano are going to have a fantastic match. But, if, again, if this is what we go with for Soriano's first uh, title defense, what a great way to start off her Wonder of Stardom run. Again, if it is even a run. You know, when obviously, if that's the match that they go with and we do our predictions, I may have to predict with my heart instead of my mind and go with Suzuki. Another story for another day, the Nanai Mina stuff was great because Nanai was really bringing those slaps. I mean, she was overly stiff with it with Mina, and Mina was not backing down. You know, we've uh, we talked about it before. We interviewed Jesse from Club Venus. She mentioned how Mina has hands, and boy, does howdy, howdy does she ever. So that's a possibility, too. We may get that as an undercard match, Mina versus the Nai Takahashi, which has got to be Mina going over. It really, really does. I mean, there's no other way to go about it. Now, the one other thing, too, I was getting a little bit nervous about, Rob, because, again, we saw first part of this match, we're setting up Hazuki and Soriano. Great. We're setting up Mina and Nanai. Great. Uh, about a half an hour earlier, we set up uh, Crazy Star, excuse me, versus Aphrodite. So we're like, okay, those are three matches we'll probably get in the next pay-per-view. What are they doing with Micah? And then Micah was in there with you for quite a bit. And I was like, oh, no. And no disrespect <laughs> to you. And no disrespect to you. No disrespect to you. Because I think that'd be a great match. I really, really do. As much as I beg on you for a lack of selling, even though the past few matches I've seen her, her selling has gotten a lot better. And it makes sense for the psychology of the match she wants. I think it's really, really good. And when it's her and Nia as a straight-up tag team, they're really terrific. They really, really are. But the only reason I was saying this is, okay, you have Micah who really wasn't supposed to be in this role, got over organically. They did the right thing by having her as the World of Stardom champion. If you're going to set her first, um, if you're going to set up her first championship match, right? If you're going to set up her first championship match, and it's against you, which will be great, but at the same time, it's going to be on the same card, more than likely, as Suzuki versus Soriano, and with Aphrodite versus Crazy Star, you know, it's got to be the match. That's got to be the match of the night is uh, is her first championship win. So uh, we shall see, my friend. We shall see. So, yeah, I'm, there's obviously a lot to unpack. I I don't think there is anyone that wants to see Hazuki win the white belt more than I do. I and that's why I'm I'm so worried about it being so soon because. Are we going to have another short reign? You know, Mina Shirakawa held the belt for 30 days after um, Sayaka Matani held it for 480. So it's not like we haven't had a short reign recently. I just... Uh, are they going to do that with Sioriano? I don't know. Can I take another Hazuki loss? Can I take her going 0-6 for the Y belt? I don't know. I honestly do. It's going to be a phenomenal match. If that's what they go for, and I know that, I think it was the We Are Stardom account, said that there will be two rumbles or two battle royals to um, to finalise the next competitors for the red belt and the white belt. So whether Hazuki is entered into the white one and wins, I, I don't know. And I also don't know if that's... Um, timetabled in for this Corican because as we record there is a Corican Hall show in two days and no card has been announced so uh, that's interesting um, 
but I'm sure that's what they've announced that there'll be two battle royals to work out the next two uh, the next two challenges. I'd love Hazuki to do it. I just don't think she will. At least not yet. If they leave it, they go with another couple of challenges and then have a Suki challenge. Maybe it's sort of a lingering thing, a long burning thing. Then maybe, but otherwise. I'm just not sure. I'm just not sure. Mina versus Nanai, I am all for if Mina wins, like I said before. If if she loses again, there is no point to it. No point at all. Let's move on to the semi-main event. Rookie of Stardom champion, sorry, Rookie of Stardom tournament final. Uh, Yuzuki defeating Hanako with the rolling arrow. Seven minutes and 23 seconds. Matt Turner, Yuzuki, is your rookie of stardom 2023. Um, you said you weren't surprised that Yuzuki came out with that. Why did you predict Yuzuki? They, Rassi really built her up more so than any rookie, probably since um, I'm going to say Utami. They really built her up and she's been doing a fantastic job, my friend, as uh, the rookie, you know, in stardom. So it's, uh, Again, I think it's just they see big things for her. They're kind of teasing her going to Queen's Quest. Not going to Queen's Quest, but it really looked like that it is, uh, it, it looked like on some of these quote-unquote house shows that it is Sayaka Matani, the one that's kind of recruiting her. Uh, so that's kind of a big deal uh, as well when you think about it. So I think that's the way they were they were going to. I think out of this new crop of rookies, no disrespect to Hanako, obviously she's been there the longest. I think she is uh, clearly, in my opinion, uh, clearly the one with the most potential obviously things can change obviously i think hanako has a lot of potential and uh, we shall see what happens so uh yeah um it's gonna be interesting to see interesting to see it's funny that you've said that the the idea of potential rather than going with who is the best in ring at the moment because if i was to ask you that question who do you think at the moment is better at, in ring out of hanako and yuzuki my personal opinion would be, well, currently Hanako. I'd say Yuzuki has infinitely more potential, but I'd say Hanako is probably better. And do you think it's the right way to do the Rookie of Stardom tournament to give it on potential rather than where they are now? Um, It could be. I mean, it could be. Uh, I think that, again, she pushed the referee at the end of the match, like was very violent. So that might be saying maybe she's going to a wet tie. I really like that aggression because again, she can say, well, I'm here the longest. How come I'm not winning the tournament? How come I lost the tournament? I'm frustrated. You know, the like Hanako's only been here a couple months. I've been here all year putting in the work. So you can see the frustration there. So yeah, it's, it's uh, something that can be uh, really, really uh, to look forward to, you know? Yeah. I like that idea. Um, uh... Anyway, Yuzuki obviously wins the tournament. Huge potential game forward. She would also go on to get another pinfall victory in uh, the six-woman tag opener of the Stardom Gate 2024 show, which we'll talk about in a moment. However, we have the final match of this show, the main event, the Triangle Derby 2024 default final. Um, the Barry Barry Bombers making it to the final of the tournament without wrestling a match, which is quite impressive. Um, it also doubled as the previous tournament did as an artist of stardom championship match. Aberembo Godzai making it to their second successive um, triangle derby final and this time going one better winning the tournament and becoming the new artist of stardom champions defeating the barry barry bombers julia tackler and may sakurai in 14 minutes exactly with suri 
pinning Tekla with the Vermilion World. Um, in terms of the Barry Barry Bombers, is Artist of Star and Run. Their reign ends at 221 days with three title defences. This is, of course, Shuri's second reign with the belts. Mariah now he's his first. Mm-hmm. And I saw something online, Matt, that said this is something that God's Eye should have had the moment they were a faction. You know, when you're trying to build them up as this huge faction, especially with Suri with the Red Belt, do you think that this is something that Mariah and Amisori should already have done as a part of God's Eye? They could have. Remember, they made it to the finals last year. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it, it's a possibility that they that they could have. So, but considering the fact that where we're going with Julia again, we think she's probably going to the WWE. Uh, the, I think this might be the way to go. This might be the way to go. Obviously, Mirai is no longer the Wonder Star champion. And the fact that uh, the, uh, excuse me, the um, I'm actually doing something very important here, Rob Goodwins, which I'll get to in just a moment. So I'm about to give you good news in about a moment. I apologize. I'm a little bit flustered uh, because I got sent a link to the tickets for uh our stardom show. So I'm trying to get that done and do the podcast all at once. Yes. So thank you to uh, John Thurman who sent me the link saying, Hey, I got my tickets. Here's the link. They went up an hour earlier on the ECW arena website. It's not called that, but you know, you know what I mean? Anywho, um, getting to look at me, multitasking, running on just a few hours of sleep, boy, folks, am I a machine or what? (laughs) Uh, anyway, so, um, I think this is the right thing to do. Not only that, like no disrespect to Tekla and, and May Sakura, who are phenomenal wrestlers. They're not main eventers, maybe some main eventers. I think Tekla will probably get there maybe in the next year or so because she's at a phenomenal, phenomenal uh, end of the year. Um, but they uh, – hold on, and I think we are good to go. Oh, hold on one sec. I do not want the ticket insurance. You better come in, Rob Goodwin. I'm not getting the ticket insurance. Uh, anyway, <laughs> so uh, so – you literally have Ami Sori, who looked like she's like two steps away from being a main eventer, coming off that uh, not only the tournament, uh, the five star Grand Prix tournament, but that tournament, the Cork and Hall tournament, which really she just had the one match. Um, so uh, that was really good stuff there. And then, oh, hold on one sec, how's your friend? Sorry. Um, and then you have Mariah, who's obviously a main eventer. She won back to back Cinderella tournaments. Congratulations, Rob Goodwin. We are going to the ECW Arena to Woo! see Stardom. So, I apologize if I was a little scatterbrained there. I wanted to get these tickets and get it done and over with. And they were supposed to go on sale at one o'clock. And I found out that they went on sale at 12. Anywho, so that is done. So then we can podcast right after this, my friend. We are good. Uh, sorry, I apologize, folks. Mariah is obviously a main eventer coming off the back-to-back goddesses, not goddess, uh, back-to-back Cinderella wins and coming off the her phenomenal white belt run, which I thought should have been a little bit longer. Fury, not only is she a main eventer, her and Mayu, in my opinion, are the two best women's wrestlers in the world. And if you don't believe me, folks, we will talk about it at the end of this episode about how good their match was uh, on today's show uh, from Tokyo Dome City Hall. The three of them obviously work very well together. Ami Sori and uh, Mariah are former goddess of stardom, tag team champions. So uh, to make a long, long question, not much longer is that I think what this does for the artist belts, it puts a little bit more shine on them by having a fantastic former white belt champion, arguably the greatest red belt champion, and a really good up-and-comer in Ami Sori holding the artist starting championships. Yeah, I think a lot of people were sort of wondering if it was um, sort of they should have had them to cement the legacy of a new faction. But I think here, 
it was a necessity, especially as, you know, I've just said 221 days. They've only defended the belts three times through a mixture of tacklers on and off injury, May Sakurai's on and off injuries, um, Julia's um, sort of commitments with the New Japan Strong Women's Championship. They just don't, they don't seem to be defended enough. So hopefully with the belts on Aberembo God's Eye, we will see them defended more. It's nice to see them get the victory, especially as they came so close last year, only to lose out to prominence. Overall, Matt, do you think the tournament works better as a single night tournament rather than a round robin? I've got a feeling I know your answer. Yes and no. I'm going to say this. I noticed this during today's show. You had these two shows, and we mentioned this before months ago. You had these two shows back-to-back, which, don't get me wrong, the undercard, with the exception of the co-main event, they was good, but it was kind of throwaways. Mm. Wouldn't you have rather done, obviously, I know, obviously, Miyu Amasaki was, was sick, and then you did the bye with uh, Queen's Quest and uh, Mega Vane and Crazy Star. What if you did the first round on this one show? Because there was 10 matches, and there was one match missing. There was 10 matches. What if you just did the first round here, and you gave the matches a little bit more time, maybe did a 20-minute time limit instead of 15 minutes, stretch it out a little, and then you do the semifinals, finals, and then the main event, you had Shuri versus Mayu. So is it better as the single elimination tournament than the round robin? Yes. At the same time, I think they could have stretched it out two days, especially knowing the fact that you already had back-to-back pay-per-views and venues booked. What, what do you think? You think I'm in the right, wrong, or crazy, or what do you think about that? I mean, I can see where you're coming from, definitely. I think if the success of the Stardom Gate show I think means that we will be seeing more stardom shows on the 4th of January. If they are going to do back-to-back nights in future, maybe they can extend it over two nights just to save New Year's stars from being such a cluttered card. Because you're right, there were 10 matches on this card and there was only, what, two matches that went over 15 minutes and there's only three out of the 10 that went into double figures so you could argue and like say there was supposed to be another one so potentially spreading it out over two nights would be better it obviously does it does it's whether they book two back-to-back nights again um i liked the fact that it was single elimination i think that makes far more sense it also keeps it apart from the goddess of star and tag league and the five star having three round robin tournaments all within what four or five months of each other it was just too much it was too much for a spectator it was too much for the wrestlers as we know and we're all you know sort of having to uh, deal with the consequences of i think this makes far more sense We move on then to the aforementioned 4th of January card. This took place just before Wrestle Kingdom. Um, Itenyon Stardom Gate 2024. I found out that Itenyon literally means 4th of the 1st, apparently. According to the uh, We Are to Stardom Twitter account. Um, It took place at Tokyo Dome City Hall. In front of what is being quoted as a full house, 1,530. 36 people. Little fun note, it is listed as their 21st 
highest ever attendance, which isn't bad out of 700 and something shows. Um, I'll run down the results for the card and then obviously we'll talk about some of the matches in a little bit more detail because especially these two final matches really do require a little bit of analysis. So in the opening match, six-woman tag match, Hanako, Rani Yagami, and Yuzuki defeated the team of Lady C, Sayaka, Kurura, and Hina, um, with Yuzuki pinning Kurura with the rolling arrow in 8 minutes and 11 seconds. That was initially supposed to be Lady C, Miyawamasaki, and Hina, Sayaka, Kurura, sort of parachuted in um, to replace Miyu. Um, Six-woman tag then followed. Stars team of Hazuki, Sayurida, and Hanan defeated the Ueda tag team of Starlight Kid, Rina, and Fukikin Death. Hanan pinning Rina with the blockbuster hold in 9 minutes and 21 seconds. Uh, we then had a tag team match. Mina Shirakawa and Meisera defeated the Donna Del Mondo team of Tekla and Mei Sakurai, with Meisera pinning Tekla with the La Magistral in 8 minutes and 42 seconds. Six-woman tag again, Cosmic Angels, team of Sioriano, Yuna Mizumori, and Saki defeated the Uedotai team of Natsukatora, Momo Watanabe, and Ruaka, with Sioriano pinning Ruaka with the Tom's Tondra in 8 minutes and 22 seconds. Third match from the top, another six-woman tag, the Queen's Quest A team of Yutami Hayashishita, Saya Kamatani, and Azumi defeated the God's Eye team of Amisori, Mirai, and Saki Kashima, with Utami pinning Saki in 10 minutes and 45 seconds with the German suplex. In your semi-main, we had a tag team match, the team of Julia and Suzu Suzuki, and Divine Kingdom of Micah and Megan Bain ended in a time limit draw. Um, and then in the main event, our IWGP Women's Championship match. The third champion, Mayu Iwatani, reached V3, defeating Suri with a reverse springboard poison runner in 19 minutes and six seconds. Obviously, Matt, we are going to be talking about those two top matches, the tag match and the IWGP women's um, title match. You mentioned that the card below was a little bit throwaway, and I must admit, I do agree with you. Um, it was good. It was, it good. was good. Absolutely. But no one's going rem- no to remember it in, uh, you know, in a month from now. No, <clears throat> no absolutely. It's solid. Um, but, you know, we've said over and over again, and not just because we're a stardom podcast, but this is the most consistent roster in wrestling. You know, there is talent all up and down this roster. You put them in a ring, it's going to be good. Um, it's It's literally the bare minimum, you know, that it is going to be good. Ultimately, you know, from probably third match from the top downwards, there's nothing you need to go out of your way to see. The Mina Shirakawa, Meisera, Tekla, and Meisakurai match was good, um, and I enjoyed the Stars versus a Weather Tie match. You know, there was bits of the Queen's Quest and God's Eye match that I enjoyed as well, but I'm not going to be breaking down the doormat to get people to re-watch anything under that semi-main. I'll say this, though. If you're me and a giant Queen's Quest mark, just to have your Queen's Quest filled of uh, Azumi, Sai, and Utami getting the win, not only they're getting the win, 
Beginning the win over the dastardly Saki Kashima, who has the, uh, <laughs> the, the, the who has got the you know the the highest percentage of winning has uh, has the biggest move in all of wrestling in the Kishika side. But yeah, I mean the Queen's Quest match might have been my favorite outside of the the co-main event. Obviously, the co-main event was a great match, which we're going to get into in a moment. But um, that was probably the best one for me for the undercard. It needed to go quick. I noticed it was going really quick because uh, again they wanted to be out of there by about one thirty. I think Wrestle Kingdom the Rambo. Um, um, I think it was starting around 2, 2.30. And I know you mentioned at the start of the show, you're not a fan of Rambo, but I have a feeling you're a fan of Sylvester Stallone as Rambo. Another podcast <laughs> for another day. <laughs> Just wanted to slip that in. Um, yeah, again, it was a solid undercard. Obviously, everybody worked hard. Everybody got over. You're going. You're literally, majority of those people are probably walking right over to the building to Wrestle Kingdom. As we saw, Mayu was walking over in her gear to do commentary for Tanahashi and Zack Zach Z- Zach Sabre Jr. So it was just good to get everybody on the card. Uh, I'm assuming there might have been 25 to 30 percent of the people that were in the building that may have not have seen some of these stardom wrestlers on the undercard. They may have said, oh, I'd like that, Azuma, or that May Sarah's really good, or that Mina Shirakawa, boy, she's something. Um, so it might have caught the eye of somebody, and they may go back and check out some of the stuff that Starden's put on their free YouTube feed. All in all, again, a solid undercard. Nothing really stood out. Nothing really led to anything. And then, partner, we get to this co-main event. Boy, howdy. And I do have to mention, I do have to mention, folks, and if you've listened to this podcast for uh, quite a bit, you know this is one thing that I like to start a matchup. And there was a phenomenal lockup to start this matchup with uh, Micah and Julia. And maybe that's where I think that the possibility they're going for Micah's first red belt challenge. Nothing was really set up here. Uh, Obviously, we have the big promo at the end, which I'll let Rob get to. Again, I believe we have a Corgan show this Saturday. And maybe that's where they build it. But they did a lot of stuff with Julia and Micah in this match. And I mentioned before, if we're doing on Supreme Fight, if we're doing Aphrodite Crazy Star, if we are doing Soriano and Hazuki, Micah needs no disrespect to you, no disrespect to you. Micah needs that opponent that she's going to look like a million bucks for, for her first title defense. Julia more than likely is on her way out, brother. Why not let it start with Julia to really get this title ring uh, on a bang? But speaking of bang, this match was great. I actually uh, rated it at four and a quarter stars. I thought it was terrific. Exactly the same forward of court stars. Um, uh, aside from the angle at the um, after the match, which we will talk about, it was just a great match. The dynamic between Micah and Julia, you could tell something was afoot when Julia looked like she was about to burst into tears when she shook Micah's hand. And it was like, that was very weird. And then they just went at each other and it was fantastic. Um, there was so much to enjoy about this. Not only the fact that Divine Kingdom were brilliant together and are brilliant together, have fantastic chemistry. M- um, Momokogo on commentary, by the way, tremendous throughout. Thought she was fantastic. Offering insights in the main event about how Mayu Utani prepares for matches, how she usually feels, you know, what she'd be feeling like during this match. She was having the time of her life during this tag match, laughing at Micah and Megan Bain, body slamming each other onto the pair of Suzu Suzuki and Julia. And then some of it was just hard hitting. And that's what I love in this tag match. There was no weak links in this. Uh, There was one moment that made me audibly scream and by scream i don't mean like high-pitched horror film scream i mean like oh my god she's dead and there's a bit where um suzu suzuki jumps off the top turnbuckle to the outside megan bain catches it 
almost falls, keeps a balance and keeps hold of Suzu Suzuki. That is strength. Fair play, Megan. Huh. Then Julia goes for a shotgun dropkick off the apron to the floor. That bit's fine, but what I don't think she took into account is the kickback from hitting Suzu Suzuki with the dropkick to knock Megan Bain over because she ended up going back and smashing the back of her head on the corner of the apron. It sounded horrendous. Even Stuart Fulton on commentary was like, oh my God. It was it was a horrible, horrible bump. Thankfully, everyone was fine and we carried on with the match and Julia seemed to smile afterwards. So hopefully everything is okay. But all four women, fantastic chemistry. Obviously, we know that Megan Bain and Suzu Suzuki have been teaming for a long time. Micah and Suzu have, you know, a feud that has run through quite a lot of this year or last year, should I say, we're in 2024 now. And there was a great moment where Suzu Suzuki just turns to the crowd while she's kicking Micah in the face going, I don't care about your champion. Brilliant. Okay, fair enough. I like that. That could be something going forward that we Suzu gets that rematch. Um, but overall, a really, really, really good match. And then, and then, um, Julia broke up Donna Del Mondo. Um, it's, came pretty much out of nowhere i'll be perfectly honest she took to the microphone um and said that she had something to say and i've actually got a translation here and it's from puro subs on twitter who uh, does a fantastic job in translating all of these promos um julia when i came to stardom looking for a fight and aiming for the top i was truly alone there i met some great friends who had the same aspirations Donna Del Mondo is my pride. Thank you to all fans who have supported us over the past four years. Sorry for the sudden announcement, but Donna Del Mondo is disbanded. Keep an eye on us in the future. Um, I don't know how much the announcement took Micah Tekler and May Sakurai by surprise. Um, all three were in the ring at this point. Um and they gave a very emotional goodbye to each other. They did one more of the Donna Del Mondo poses in the ring. And that was it. Um, Donna Del Mondo are no more. One of the most dominant factions in stardom history, possibly the most dominant faction in stardom history, if you discount freedom. Um, the strongest faction for at least two and a half of those four years. Um, booked incredibly strongly. And to see them go out with something of a whimper, really, Matt, when you consider it, is quite sad, really. I mean, this for me is one of the big indicators that, you know, Julie's leaving. The fact that she's broken up Donna Del Mondo. She hasn't put Suzu Suzuki in charge. She hasn't drafted in new members. She hasn't handed the reins over to Micah. She has broken it up. In, and in really quite abrupt way as well. Yeah, she's she's out the door, I have a feeling. Um, uh, and it's a shame, really. I'd have liked to have seen Micah handed the reins, especially as the top champion in stardom. Um, but, you know, you could argue that there is space for another faction, which Micah could then head up. What do you think? Problem. I'm sorry, I, I interrupted there for a second. My apologies. Um, something that's came across my mind is... We all kind of figured over the past week or so that Julia would event would be WWE bound. Again, the rumors for the since you know November, we kind of figured she'd be there. 
I know me and you talk on this podcast, off this podcast. I know a lot of our listeners I talked to and kind of my opinion was she's going to put Micah over sometime at the end of the spring and then basically just do what EO did with Momo is right. You beat me. You're the champion, even though I know EO is the wonder of stardom champion. She was the champion, not the challenger, but regardless. And then basically gives the reins over to Queen's Quest to Momo Watanabe. Makes sense. You have a ready-made faction, right? Obviously, Momo does great stuff with it. And, you know, look where we are now. The beginning of 2024, Queen's Quest is firing on all cylinders. And anytime one of their shirts comes out, they get my money. Anywho, um, we kind of figured that that's what Julie was going to do with Micah, was going to give the reins over to Donald Del Mundo and probably draft Suzu Suzuki and May Sarah, right? That's what we thought was happening. But literally, as you were just reiterating what happened earlier today as of this recording, Micah's going to start her own faction. She's going to be the leader. She has to. She's a main eventer now. She's ready-made, organically over, um, regardless, right? Do you think, that, instead of her starting a new, I'm, I'm getting all over the place here, I apologize. Instead of her getting a new faction, I thought it would make sense. You've already had Donald Del Mundo ready-made. And if you're going to give put Suzu and Mesa in that faction, you're already there. Do you think the reason why she's disbanding the faction and Micah is going to create her own faction, which we don't know the name of, do you think that Julia is going – do you think Julia has the rights to Donald Del Mundo is what I'm trying to say? Do you think that she enters WWE – with the rights to Don Del Mundo. Do you think that's one of the things that they said, like, right, you already have this faction that's crazy over, or that's her idea. Like, I'm going to come in and I'm going to feud with damage control because what a great way to get over is to feud with, you know, Bailey, with Io, with Kyrie, with Asuka. You know she's going to have great matches mm. or, or whatever. Do you think that maybe part of her deal was like, look, I will stay for two or three months longer on a handshake deal, but I want the rights to Donald Del Mundo. Do you think that when we see Julia leave, she takes the name DDM with her? I don't think it's anything as nefarious as that, to be perfectly honest. Um, I think it's more likely um, that it's a case of clean slate for Micah. You know, sort of, we know that Donna Del Mondo is Julia's baby. It's sort of always been Julia's baby. Um and I think this is now a way of saying, right, you're now the champion. You're the top person in the company. Create your own legacy. I think that is more likely to be what it is um, than anything nefarious like Julia owning the rights or bringing the Donna Del Mondo name over into WWE. It'd be cool. It certainly would. And I'd, uh, I'd be very much here for a Donna Del Mondo, whoever that would entail in WWE versus a damage control. But, yeah, I think it's more to do with sort of giving Micah this whole clean slate and saying, right, you've been by my side for however long. And I think Micah even referenced that in the promo. You know, I've been by your side since day one of Donna Del Mondo. She was the only one who's been there for the entire run of Donna Del Mondo alongside Julia. Um, maybe it's just a case of, right, I've shown you what to do. Go off and do your own thing now. Um I think that would have more poignancy if if Julia then puts Micah over before she goes. Um, I think that would be cool. I think that would be the right way to properly cement Micah as a big star because aside from Suri, nobody takes less pinfalls than Julia. So to, you know, maybe that's her last match before she leaves. Put Julia over. 
Uh, well, I say no one apart from Suri, Kyrie, but that's by the by. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Wait till we do our what if in a little bit here, buddy. Don't oh, you worry about oh. it. <laughs> Seriously, Kyrie's eating every single pimple. Um, but no, that that's where I think it's probably going. It's just a simple case of, right, we're going to have you create your own legacy, something that can be yours you know, Donna Del Mondo is Julia. It's synonymous with Julia. And even though with EO, Queen's Quest was synonymous with EO, you know, it was always very clear that Momo Watanabe was going to be the heir apparent. And eventually they've sort of separated EO from the Queen's Quest. I don't think they were going to be able to do that with Donna Del Mondo. Um, and giving Mike a, you know, maybe they're moving away from factions. Who knows? I mean, there is like 25 factions in stardom at the moment something needed to give because there isn't enough roster to actually fill the factions um but that that's just my two pence you know you could be absolutely right for me however i think it is more just a focus on micah and what micah wants to do next rather than forcing donna del mondo on her when she might not want it right See, brother it's gonna be interesting it's gonna be interesting Oh God, absolutely. Absolutely. This these next couple of months are going to be interesting, brother. Um uh, we move on then to the main event, the IWGP women's championship match. Mai Watani defeating Suri, as I've already said, achieving V three. Um nineteen minutes and six seconds. Um I'll be perfectly honest, this was my match of the year. Um for about <laughs> Well, no, it's still my match of the year. I think I do prefer it to uh, Okada and Danielson, but they are sort of, they're both five stars. This was as brutal as any Mayu and Suri match has been, and then ramped up. It was as compelling as any Mayu and Suri match that they've done prior, and then some. They managed to ratchet everything up to such an exciting degree momoko and this is where momokogo was fantastic she kept referencing zombie mayu and how mayu <laughs> can get to this place where she's just she won't stay down you know she almost detaches herself from her feelings and it was so important in a match against someone who is so dominant like a suri and suri brutalizes mayu for a large part of this match um to the point where mayu she's bleeding from a lip she has got this enormous welt on her throat i don't know if it was dried blood or a footprint but if it's a footprint i don't know where Siri did it but good god it looked painful but maybe both maybe, maybe both. both it could be both it's Siri and mayu absolutely <laughs> but for all of the brutality that Siri brought to this match and she really really did mayu bought it as well because there was moments towards the end of this match where Mayu just stopped pulling kicks and pulling punches and just outright started kicking Shuri and punching Shuri in the head. And it was like, where has this been? Like, this is a Mayu I haven't seen since the Kyrie match at Historic Crossover. Like, I haven't seen this proper icon star of stardom Mayu Iwatani in over a year and Good God, I've missed it. This was an absolutely incredible performance. And yes, Suri is one of the best 
to do it. She is a fantastic women's wrestler and she will get her flowers for this match and deservedly so. But for me, Mayu blew it out of the water today, both on offense and defense. Sold all of Suri's offense like she was being hit by an AK-47, like she'd been hit by a submarine loaded with trains. She was incredible, ragdolling around the ring, being tossed like a sack of potatoes with every suplex. But then just bludgeoned Suri with a level of savagery that we haven't seen from her in ages. We we talk a little bit about, pardon my language, dickhead Mayu, where she's <laughs> cocky and arrogant and can be really dismissive but this was something completely different. Like I said, if you go back and watch the minutes leading up to the springboard poison Rana, where Suri is grabbing hold of Mayu, and Mayu is properly closed fist, just punching Suri in the head. And it's like, where has this been? My God, this was... This, for me, is the coming out party of the IWGP Women's Championship. Yes, absolutely. Kyrie versus Mercedes Monet, great match. Really, really good match. Yes, Mayu Iwatani versus Mercedes Monet, a really good match. Not quite on the level of Kyrie and Mercedes Monet, but still a good match, a dream match we never thought we'd get. This blows both out of the water and it's not even close. This was brilliant. This is what the IWGP Women's Championship should strive to be with every single title defense. This is why this title needs to be on a Dominion, a King of Pro Wrestling, a G1 Climax final. Because this was the best match of both shows. Yes. Yes, Rob Goodwin. Yes. And absolutely, that's yes. that's not a hot take. Like, and obviously, if, if you're in your cars, put it in park, put it in park, get out of your cars and give a standing ovation. I mean, you are 110% right. I will die on that hill and I will fight, fight you. I will hit these people that disagree with you harder than Mario hit Sherry. That's how much I got your back on this one, buddy. <laughs> this was no disrespect. I love Brian Danielson. Me being at ringside and getting to be able to train a little bit with Brian Dennis at Ring of Honor is one of the highlights of my life. Krizuchko Okada is arguably the greatest wrestler of all time. Their match was fantastic. Also, Naito. Also five stars, yeah. by the way. Yes. <laughs> also gave that five stars. <laughs> I have not heard a response like that in the Tokyo Dome since, like, Inoki, like Naito. No, Naito yeah. Sonata was great. No disrespect to anybody on that card. Wrestle Kingdom today was absolutely fantastic. It was a great show. Jerry and Mayu was the best match of today. And I yep. made a bold prediction that I think this is going to be the best match on January 4. And my friends that watch AEW and New Japan were like, you think it's going to be better than the dream match part round two. And I'm like, have you seen the three matches between Sherry versus Mayu? And folks, if you haven't seen it, we know we have a lot of listeners. Back in 2020, you know, if you're on Stardom World, fire it up. 2020, Mayu versus Sherry for the World of Stardom Championship. 2022, World Climax Night 2, Shuri versus Mayu. For, she was when Shuri's the champion for the World of Stardom champion. Excellent, excellent match. And then this past year, the five-star Grand Prix had one of, if not the best matches of a loaded five-star. This, and I'm sure you'll agree with me, all those matches I just mentioned were great. This match was better. This was their best match that they've had with each other. Yeah, absolutely. I am a big fan of their World Climax match, and I know that some people didn't like that match as much. But I loved it. I loved the story being told in it. I thought it was fantastic. Um, overall, though, I preferred this match. These these two don't miss. There's 
there's partnerships in stardom that you just know are going to work together. Mayu Iwatani and Momo Watanabe are one of them. Mayu Iwatani and Suri are another. You just know that these two are going to hit it out of the park. And it was such a different match as well. How often do we ever see Suri in a state of desperation? Like, Mayu kicks out of a million world, which I believe one person has ever done, and that was Julia at Dream Queendom 22. Like, Mayu kicks out of that, and the look of genuine shock on Suri's face is incredible. It's brilliant, and it really does, you know, it goes back to that first match that they had together where Suri threw everything at Mayu, and Mayu's alien-like resiliency ultimately won out in that match, whereas at um, World Climax, Suri just targeted Mayu's injured knee and just basically tore it apart until the referee was like, no, you need to stop now. And because Mayu didn't let Suri get that head of steam and because Mayu didn't let Suri sort of build up, she couldn't get a hold of it. You know, it was like trying to catch water in your cupped hands. Mayu just kept finding a way to get out of it. And Again, commentary did a fantastic job of building up the lore of this zombie Mayu and how Mayu's resiliency is her greatest weapon. It means she takes some hellish bumps. It means she takes some hellish punishment. But when she can deal it out the way that she did, especially here, and I can't get over just how different the abuse she gave Suri here was. Like, you know when the Young Bucks hit super kicks and, you know, you hear the famous thigh slap? It was making that noise off of Suri's face. Like, there was no leg slap. Mayu just gave up trying to pull them entirely and just started full-on lamping this former MMA fighter. And it was brilliant. It was so good because it added such legitimacy. And let's face it, Suri then started to belt (laughs) Mayu as well, which was great and probably where Mayu ended up with that huge welt on her throat fantastic match i honestly and i know that we are four days into the new year and i'm sure when we get to the yokohama buntai show in april i'll be raving about one match that they put on there but i can't see anything in stardom topping this this year i thought this was absolutely fantastic full five stars and it's not even close this you had texted me maybe when wrestle kingdom just started and I asked you if you've seen this match. He said, no, not yet. And I said, Rob, maybe it's because I'm running on two hours of sleep. Maybe it's because of my love of these two wrestlers. This was five stars, and it might have broken the stardom scale for me. Now, for you folks keeping track at home, the matches that have broken the stardom scale are Mayu versus EO2, Mayu versus EO3, Shuri versus Julia from Dream Queendom 2022, Hazuki versus Sai Kamatani for the Wonder of Stardom Championship, and Kyrie and Mako Satomura versus Thunder Rock, Io and Mayu. So, uh, again, I've been watching pretty much every Stardom match as it's happened for the last two and a half years, but I've gone back very deep into the catalog and watched everything I possibly can. So that is a very short list in the near 13-year history of Stardom. Um, I'm going to go back and watch it probably sometime later today when I've had a little bit more rest. Because I really think I give it five stars. I may have to go back and give it maybe it may break the stardom scale and be five and a quarter. Now, I want to just kind of give away my um, I want to talk about my little I was a little worried because that DDM breakup promo went a little bit long. It didn't need to. Don't get me wrong. But I'm looking at the clock and I'm like, OK, both these companies are owned by Bushi Road. Obviously, Bushi Road are more concerned about the Tokyo Dome than they are Tokyo Dome City Hall. 
They're going to want to get people over across the street ASAP. Are they going to rush Mayu and Sherry? Because that's what's going to happen. Because this whole entire card went very fast. We get to the co-main event. We know it was going to the, the TLD. And then we had the breakup thing afterwards, which, again, it needed that time. It really, really did. I was like, are they going to rush this match? So I was a little nervous about that. And then Mayu hits Sherry with the dragon suplex on the apron like four minutes in. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is going to go nine minutes. And it's still maybe a four and a half to four and a half, four and three fourth star match. But it kept building and building and building. And I guess this might be the theme of these stardom shows this week. Because you mentioned before, partner, with how stiff Mayu was with these shots on the hardest hitting wrestler and all of stardom. Mayu almost out Shuri Shuri, very much like how Gazai out Oweto Tai Oweto Tai on the outside. <laughs> with the maybe, maybe that's the theme that we're going for here. And you know, Shuri absolutely loved it. You know, that was probably her call. It, it was, was very her much idea, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then she's like, you know, you better give it back to me. Like, of course. Um, and as soon as this match was over, I tweeted out, like, I get asked a lot, who do I think is the best women's wrestler in the world? Obviously, my favorite is EO. We will not see EO be stardom EO for a zillion different reasons. I'm glad she's doing well. I'm glad that, hopefully, fingers crossed, Rob and I see her defend the World of Stardom Championship uh, on WrestleMania. This is going to be this is gonna be an awesome weekend for us, brother. We're rocking and rolling here. Um, but, like, when you... And again, it's subjective. There's no wrong answer. Obviously, you look to stardom. As great as Diana Perrazzo is and Charlotte Flair, and this person, that person. I look to start when it comes, who's the best women's wrestler in the world, and it's subjective. Is it Utami? Is it Saya? My go-to answer, my settle, maybe cop-out answer is, it's a tie between Mayu and Shuri. What Shuri's been able to do from 2021 until this match, and then what Mayu's been able to do since Kyrie and Io Beth both left in 2018, and the fact that she kept the company afloat in 2020, after Arista retired, after the passing of Hanukkah during COVID, She's able to keep a company afloat and then having these great matches. You can make an easy argument that these two are the two best women's wrestlers in the world and maybe top five or six, two of the best wrestlers in the world overall. You know, you throw in your Okada, you throw in your Danielson, uh, Osprey, yada, yada, so on and so forth. And they went out there and wrestled like they really were. I know a lot of people, this might be based on a lot of people I've been talking to their first time seeing Mayu and Shuri. There's no way you're not blown out of the way, out of the water. There's no way. Because this match has kept building and building and building. And Mayu with the dive, and then we see suplexes, and then they're firing up. And then Mayu sells the way that she sells, especially towards Shuri. And then she just absolutely lambastes Shuri with some brutal moves. And I kind of figured, we did our prediction, we were talking about this, was like kind of 60-40 Mayu. Like I wouldn't be shocked if they turned the belt over to Shuri. But then Sherry's kicking out of all the big moves. She's kicking out of the suplexes. She's kicking out of the, the two-step dragging. She's kicking out of everything. And then she comes back with those brutal buzzsaw kicks. It was like, okay, Maya, you hit me hard five times in a row. I'm going to hit you with two shots, but these two shots are going to be harder than the five you gave me. Mm-hmm. And then she sets her up for Vermilion World. I'm like, okay, well, Mayu reversed it earlier on the match, which was akin to their match at World Climax back in spring of 2022 when uh, Mayu reversed it into the Poison Rana. Like, she's not going to reverse it again. I'm like, maybe she's going to roll her up. And then she had her by the neck and then dropped her. And I was like, oh, no, is this the finish? But no, Sherry, who protects this move. Again, you mentioned you were absolutely right, partner. Only two people have ever kicked out of it. Julia, at the end of 2022, that eventually crowned a Julia. So she was protecting the finish there. And Mayu here. So only two people kicked out of it. But it's the right two people at the right time. And not only does it get the match over, it got the red belt over even more in the match with Julia. And it gets the IWGP Women's Championship uh, over even more 
in this match, which it desperately needed because obviously this belt, the way the lack of defense, the fact that it was not put on the Tokyo Dome, it's crazy. But we mentioned it before. It's not lack on the wrestlers. This, between the tournament and the matches that we've seen for this title, have been nothing short of phenomenal. So when giving the tap to, whether it's Kyrie, whether it's Mercedes, or whether it's been Mayu, they put on absolute banger, must-see matches. And this was terrific. And the fact that the way that Mayu finished this match off with a dragon suplex, and then you see Shiri pop up for one last gasp, Mayu hits her with a super kick to kind of stun her where she needs, and then hits that Rana for the three count. Unbelievable. What's it, Rob, does, does Mayu have a fancy name for that reverse poison Rana? I thought she did. Um, she does a Fubuki Rana, but I think I might be something different. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I thought that I heard maybe Stuart Fulton call it something something different. I, I could have been around, but you know what I mean. It's basically a double jump reverse poison Rana that we've seen her hit a handful of times in her career. I mean, Mayu's one of the best to ever do it, and she's still in her prime. Shuri's one of the best to ever do it, still in her prime. And, um, yeah, again, full five stars. This was no disrespect to a phenomenal, phenomenal Wrestle Kingdom card. We knew it was going to be great. It was. This was the best match of the two shows. Um, you know, for me, it, it, you know, and I absolutely agree with you, partner. Now, I'm going to put, put this out because Shuri did her post-match promo that I saw on uh, Twitter and she was mentioning about how she was clo- so close to IWGP, and she wants a taste of IWGP. Now, Rob, if we just covered it about a half an hour ago or so. Shuri and Julia, the main event of the Triangle Derby pay-per-view, a lot of that match was based upon Shuri and Julia really going at it. We haven't seen Shuri and Julia go at it that much since their must-see match at the end of 2022, and they kind of teased something there. So do you think Julia, if she's headed to the WWE, which, she thinks, which we think she is, do you think she drops the strong championship to Shuri? Do you think we get one more Julia versus Shuri match before uh, before Julia goes off to uh, to the Americans over here? It could potentially happen. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if they do. I know that they did Collision in Philadelphia last year. It wouldn't surprise me if they do like a strong show over WrestleMania weekend, and maybe Julia will drop it there because obviously Stardom are coming over anyway. So maybe they do something there. I know. You know, and this is all obviously assuming that she isn't going to leave straight at the end of her contract at the end of March. If she does leave, we're not 100% sure yet. Let me get that out out there. Um, but yeah, it it's an interesting time in Stardom. There's a lot of what ifs and maybes, and I wonder how this all works, which in a lot of ways is very, very exciting. Um, one thing that I did like about Suri's promo is the fact that she brought up Anoki's name and sort of just built up the prestige of the IWGP Women's Championship. You know, ultimately saying this still carries Anoki's name, Anoki's sort of legend, Anoki's legacy. And that's something that it has been missing since its incarnation. We've talked about it a lot. But just something like that, and really wanting it for a reason, not just because it's a top belt. I mean, Micah has come out and said she wants the IWGP Women's Championship after she won the Red Belt after Dream Queendom. She said she wants the New Japan Strong Belt. Just have Greedy. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> honestly. God, you get one thing, you just take, take, take. Um, <laughs> but the fact that... You're the best. I'm going to be able to sit out my water. 
<laughs> the fact that people are desiring this championship and actually giving reasons and not just because it's a belt. You know, Shuri saying, I want this championship because it symbolizes Inoki for me, who is a huge influence and blah, 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 immediately lends some credence to the championship. And that is what it desperately, desperately needs. Hopefully, this matches a jumping off point for any other IWGP women's title defense. Obviously, there's no challenge been put forward yet for Mayu, for V4, but we'll see where that goes next. Um, And that just about brings an end to our show reviews. I just want to briefly look at the stardom schedule, um, simply because I want to talk about what's coming up, because January, even though we have been promised and have so far been given a far lighter pay-per-view schedule, stardom have still got a lot of shows to run. So next week, on the 6th of January, we've got New Year Stars 2024 in Corican. Now, currently, as we record, that has been a card released for that show um so i'm assuming that 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 announcement is imminent um uh, you've got three back-to-back shows that's on the sixth you've then got new year stars in nagoya which is on the seventh and new year stars in anjo which is the eighth which is tam nakano's hometown and a place where she promised that she would um turn up so tam should be there at that show and then obviously we will be uh we'll be live again um, before the next show. It is worth pointing out as well that the 7th, which is the Sunday, will also be Unagi's produce show at Corican Hall. So uh, we'll be looking at certain matches of that, I am sure. Now, Matt, before we talk about what we're going to be looking at next week, which I've already sort of done, um, would you like to do your EO and Kyrie watch? Absolutely, sir. I believe, though, there was a match announced for Corkin. I could be wrong, but it's Mayu and Julia versus Micah and Soriano. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. I've just remembered that. As I said it, yes. Yes, it has been announced. That is right. So, Io and Kyrie, watch, my friend. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. I didn't get a chance to view it. I believe it was just a year in review, so there was nothing there. Um I don't think there was anything there, my man. I think it was just this. these past few shows was because Triple H wanted to give time uh, off for vacation. So there was no house shows. Raw was a, a was a clip show, and SmackDown was a clip show. If I'm wrong, let me know. I didn't even look on the DVR because I've just been so, so busy, even though I've been off work for two weeks. So if I'm wrong, let me know, and I will do a YouTube clip. So if I'm wrong, I apologize, but I'm almost positive it was just a clip show. So there is no EO and Kyrie watch. But uh, as of this recording tomorrow, it is EO versus Michin also known as Mia Yim for the WWE Women's Championship, which I'm super excited for. And there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Obviously, next week we'll be reviewing as many of those shows that are on Stardom World. Hopefully, the Corican will be up because that airs on Saturday. So, fingers crossed, at the very, very least, when we record on the 10th, we will have that Corican review for you. I'm hoping that we will have at least two of the three shows reviewed for you. We will also have the results of the Stardom Cast Awards that will go live on the 10th as well. And you can also check it on the website, www.thestardomcast.weebly.com. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening. I hope that you have had a wonderful new year. You were all safe and all enjoyed it. And, of course, you all had a lovely Wrestle Kingdom day. Um, it's been a phenomenal couple of shows um, for stardom, and hopefully they continue this momentum into 
the new year. But for now, please subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We are everywhere. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you know, YouTube, all of that sort of stuff. We are everywhere. If you think we've deserved a five-star review and a comment goes a massive way to get us in front of more people um thank you to everyone that has already subscribed over on patreon.com forward slash the stardom cast don't forget that there will be a rejigging of the patreon to give you more bang for your buck to quote the young bucks um coming at the start of february um in terms of social medias we are everywhere at at the stardom cast um, including on YouTube. If you want to talk to me on Twitter, you can. It's at Real Rob Goodwin. Matt Turner, sign us off, good sir. Absolutely. Again, a big thanks to John Thurman over on Twitter who sent me a message again in the middle of this podcast. Sorry if I was a little flustered or came off as a little unprofessional as I wanted to make sure that uh, we got our stardom ECW arena tickets before they sold out because I think that they will. Also, I do want to make mention that when I clicked on the link went on Twitter, I had a few people asking me questions as if uh, Rob and I are going to be charging for pictures and autographs <laughs> at the ECW <laughs> arena, which I'm absolutely taken by. And I can't speak for Rob. I've never charged in my 20 years as a pro wrestler, never charged for a picture, never charged for an autograph. So no, I will not be charging. Whether Rob wants to charge you, that's completely up to the superstar author. That is Rob Goodwin. As uh, I made mention before, he's the author of the book, Living the Dream, Stardom's 10th Anniversary, in review by one Rob Goodwin that he does have. Uh, Bipoy, Natsupoy is in there, but the human Cadillac, Dorian DeVille, isn't. But anywho, I got all those plugs. You did. One well done. Not bad for someone running on three hours of sleep. Uh, folks, questions, comments, anything that you need from me, Matt Turner OF on the Instagram and the Twitter is the best way to get a hold of me there. You want to shoot me an email, that's perfectly fine. The stardomcast22 at gmail.com is the best way to get a hold of me via email. Folks, thanks again for a phenomenal 2023. It's shaping up, uh, 2024 is shaping up to be even a bigger and better year for us here at the Stardom Cast. And that's all because of you, because like I always say, it's just not my podcast, it's our podcast, because we're all together. Everybody's different. Everybody's special. <laughs>